Today's podcast is brought to you by Old Smokes Coffee. Today we are drinking the skittish whitetail, guys. It's a conventional light roast. Light roast means high in caffeine, and uh, yeah, you can't beat it. It's perfect for those early mornings, or if you're just a hard worker staying up late. So uh, check out oldsmokescoffee.com. Use promo code NONTYPICAL for a wicked discount. This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your host, Brody Teal and Eric Labrie. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. Lights, camera, action. We are back, guys. And today we got a special guest. We got Charlie Reed with us. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a podcast with him. I think it was before bear season. So we've got a lot of hunting stories and a lot of stuff to go over. Good to be back, boys. Right on, right on. You know, um, it's been an eventful weekend for all of us. I know, you know, I had a little bit of fun, didn't didn't get too lucky. You and uh, Eric and Katie got a deer down, and uh, you and your dad. Was that this past weekend, or was that... Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was so it was Halloween. quite the weekend for all of us. Yeah, we got a couple deer down, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, can't beat that. Um, the weather was warm, though. It was sort of a weird temperature here in northern Alberta. Um, we had some snow on Saturday, Sunday morning. I think that snow sort of stuck around, but by Sunday evening... It was 12 degrees and uh, the snow was almost all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it got by Sunday, you know, Sunday where I was hunting, it was 15 degrees by the, the evening. It was like hot almost. Monday was really hot. So I hunted Sunday and uh, got out right early morning and there was snow on the ground. Sunday evening, it was definitely starting to melt. melt. But come Monday, there was no snow on the ground. So you can't, couldn't tell where any tracks were, nothing. So you're going in pretty much blind to some of these cut blocks in different spots I was hunting. But, um, you know, you just said the snow is falling outside right now, so yeah, that's a good like, sign. Uh, yeah, it's like Christmas out there right now. There's a fresh blanket, so hopefully it sticks around, right? Perfect. It's, I, a, it's a great time for whitetail hunters. It's active great, uh, active scrape season. and It's uh, go time, The melting sure. and raining and snow, they'll be out touching up scrapes actively for probably the next couple of weeks so it's good times this yeah, is so the time we've been waiting for man November 4th yeah it's go time right on so you start with uh, your weekend there Eric. how would that one go down uh well we and katie got uh got on to her first mule deer buck and uh you know we had very limited time to hunt this tag um we did a little bit of i wouldn't even say we did a little bit of mule deer hunting but we had that tag in our pocket when we we're elk hunting earlier this year um, but of course we never saw any meal there at all. And so with, uh, with November rolling around, we got a couple of moose tags to fill and that's definitely priority. So we had very, uh, very limited time to hunt this, this tag at all. And, uh, so Saturday, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. Saturday you went out. Yeah, that's right. Saturday yeah. I was out by myself. So Sunday, um, you know, we got up at like four o'clock Got everything packed in the truck, left at about 4.30, 5 o'clock, and uh, drove about two and a half hours. And right at about legal, right at legal light, we got <clears throat> into where the, uh, you know, the private agriculture turns into the river valley, right at the crown land. And uh, as we're approaching basically the crown land line, 
there's a buck standing in the field. Wow. First thing in the morning? First thing in the morning. Like, it is right, sh- perfect shooting light. Oh, okay. Right on. Um, so, 7... You know, we were, like, right 7. on 15 or so? Yeah. Right around yeah. there, yeah. We were literally uh, rolling rolling into the crown land right on time. So, um, you know, the plan was just to, to hunt those open hills, right? And uh, I know you sort of put me onto this area, and uh, I know there to be, you know, quite a few mule deer around. So, I had high hopes for, for the day. And, uh, yeah, so I, had, we, we were just coming down the hill and, uh, you know, a shooting light, the gun, we had the gun all out and ready and everything. And, uh, I just asked Katie, you know, so what are you going to be happy with to fill your tag? Right. Cause we, we have very, very limited opportunity here. Like you should probably shoot the first decent buck we see. And we've talked about that because you've got those moose tags and that's priority. That's definitely priority, right? Yeah. So if you if you're taking this day and maybe one or one other day to, to hunt mule deer, if you got the opportunity at something that you know you're proud of, and uh, you know just to get something just down, something to make you happy, can't be too picky, yeah. And, and so the situation sort of you know you know I have to drive f- at least four hours to hunt moose, which is top priority, um, or we have to drive at least an hour and a half to hunt this mule deer. So the mule deer is sort of like a one day thing, you know, I can, we can get up early and sort of drive late at night and it's no big deal, but we can't really escape to go moose hunting just for the day. It, you know, that'd be a long, that's eight for hours sure. of driving, right? That's a killer, man. Not to mention if you get one. Well, not, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. it's just not doable, right? So we have to set our multiple days sort of aside for that. And, uh, you know, just being, I think it was November 2nd, um, you know, we, we had the day to go, so we went and um here's this buck standing in the field or sorry i gotta back up i guess so we're driving we're just about to turn the corner we're driving down the hill we can see the tree line we can see the bush line and i'm saying to katie what are you going to be happy with and and she's like well what do you think like what's a respectable animal i said well i don't think you should shoot like a forkhorn so at least not today you know we might have another day and if we have another one great um but if you see a three-pointer like one with you know decent deep forks and it's it's got three points you should probably shoot it and i had you know barely shut my mouth and i look up and i can see this big swelled up neck in the corner of this field and oh there's a mule deer right there and so she digs a binoculars out of the back of the truck and she's looking she's like yeah it's a buck and so i get looking yeah it's got three points you guys must have been pumped right oh i was i was you know just pumped and and i get uh, you know, I think I've said this before, but when, when you're going to have a successful day, it's almost like you feel it in yeah, a way for sure. Like you kind of know, you don't want to say it out loud, Yeah. but you kind of like feel it when you get up in the morning, like today's going to be a, yeah. a good day, right? We're just, everything feels like we're doing the right thing. Um, so when we got there, it was like that buck was supposed to be there. I sort of felt like it was going to be there Yeah. and sure enough, there he was. And so I looked at her, I said, are you, you know, is that good? And, uh, you know, she starts tearing the gun apart and getting all ready. I say, okay, we got to wait. It's got to step off the private into the crown and it only has to go about 250 yards and then it's on crown. It's fair game. And you know, it's going to, and it's going to, because that's all egg. It's all trimmed crop. You know, I think it was like an oat field and it was all cut. So he's out there feeding and it's early in the morning. But as soon as that magical time comes and he decides he wants to go lay down, he's going to go into the bush which is crap. make his way into the bush and there's the literally valley. in this particular spot there's literally a sign that says welcome to the crown land basically yeah. right 
Um, and so I could see that sign. Yeah. Like it's a big yellow sign. And I say to Katie, like, he either has to come out onto the road, which is, you know, it's an allocated road. It's not maintained. So you can shoot in the ditch of it. Yeah. Or he's going to walk right past that sign and then you can shoot him wherever he stands. And, uh, he starts working his way down into the ditch. You know, she gets out, she gets all ready. I said, you know, he's got to be stopped. He's got to be broadside. Don't, don't panic. It's, you know, the first 20 minutes of the hunt. You don't have to shoot this deer. And uh, so she's she gets all ready. The deer jumps out onto the road, looks at us for about half a second, and then just turns its butt and just does the mule deer prance away from us for about 300 yards. And then he hops in the bush and he's gone. <clears throat> so, you know, oh, well, great start to the day. We go and do our plan of glassing the hillsides and checking the area out because I'd never been there before. Ton of elk tracks, um, fresh snow that morning. So all these tracks were, you know, brand new, fresh. You've seen a lot of elk tracks. There was elk tracks absolutely everywhere we went. There was bulls chasing cows in circles. Really? There was, you know, fresh crap everywhere, pee holes in the fresh snow. Wow. Um, spots were like 10, 20 elk. I think that's a good little spot to go. It too. is, and you know, it's a little. I thought it might be busy because there's, there's was sort of a ask, main section. Was like, there any other road people? There, any other hunters? There was one guy that was coming up the valley, um, just as we got there, but he didn't really look like he was hunting. And then there was another guy that showed up late, later in the morning, um, and he went parked his truck and walked somewhere. And, and so what this is, guys, this is it. just a big chunk of crown that's basically bordering the river and um and some private property and yep. it's like a, a large rectangular square and uh, i had a mule deer tag four or five years ago and i just i didn't have much permission and i just wanted to cover ground so i found this this spot hunted it in september didn't see a thing except for a few moose and i went back in november and that's when i got my deer and this spot it's it's pretty much like i even said said to her when we we're out there like this is as close as you're going to get to like the sheep hunting sort of type of the feel of it and the tactics. Well, I seen your because, story where you guys were hiking the valley side. Yeah. And that is the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. I love that. And, and that's what I loved about that, that morning take. with the, the fresh layer of snow and, you know, just a little bit of snow, just a skiff of yeah. snow. So there's layers of white, you know, all the trails are highlighted. So you look across the valley, there's open hillsides because it's just like sage and willows. And you can see these huge elk trails and these mule deer trails zigzagging across the hills. And, you know, you could see an animal clear as day with your naked eye if, yeah. if there was one standing there. Um, but we, you know, we glassed most of the morning uh, into the early afternoon, stopped, had some lunch, and then we, were he we headed back up out of the valley to get some cell reception um, just to look at maps and then make a plan for the evening. And just as we got back up onto the, the private private land here's that same buck <laughs> no way <laughs> standing in the same corner basically in his tracks from this morning oh hey guys and and so there was a doe with him too and she she was sort of in the morning she was about 100 yards away from him but they were definitely together because they were like making eye contact and stuff and uh and then they they hopped away together and when we saw him in the morning and uh as we we're coming up the hill i saw the doe i'm like okay well the buck's gonna be close and uh, sure enough, he's standing right in that same spot. So I, I said to Katie, I said, Katie, it's, it's your hunt. You know, we're on mule deer. 
what do you want to do? I said, we can sit here and basically just make this buck our hunt for the evening. Just wait on him or, you know, try and call him onto the crown or, you know, just do something. And, uh, and she's like, well, why don't we go ask for permission? And I said, that's fine. Sure. Like, I'm all for that. I'm not like that. Like, I would chalk it up as uh, too bad, so sad sort of thing for me. And because I like to hunt the crown. Yeah. You'd wait for him to get off the private onto crown. And, yeah. Or, or I'd be or like, oh, you know on. what? Screw it. I'll just go, you know, that's just the way Somewhere the dice else. roll. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's sure. just how I am, just because I, you know, I don't really like asking for permission. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm all for it. Like, great. But I just, I just sort of been turned away from it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so she's like, well, why don't we go ask for permission? So, okay, I, I got the, you know, land ownership map. I can see who owns it. And uh, and we can see he owns a whole bunch of property in the area. And then there's a few, you know, there's a few houses on his quarters of property. So we go to the closest one, knock on the door. Well, this guy just rents or owns the house on the property, but doesn't own the, doesn't own the quarter. He said, yeah, I think the guy lives, you know, south. So we go south to the next house, knock on the door. Yeah, no, he lives, you know, south of here. So, okay. We go to the next house, knock on the door. And uh, and so before we knocked on the first house, um, I, I asked Katie, you know, do you want me to come with you and, you know, stand beside you or whatever? You have to ask for permission. It's your hunt. And uh, And I said, or I can just stay in the truck. And if you're comfortable chances are you're going to have have a better luck getting permission than yeah. with than with me right and uh, you know i'm all decked out in fucking yeah. crazy camo you know beard look like i'm hunting and she's just wearing you know like a camouflage hoodie <laughs> and she's got a little ponytail and she's five foot fuck all and so i'm like you know if if i was a farmer and i was going to give anybody permission yeah. it'd be like this cute little girl yeah. just Absolutely. coming to knock on the door yeah. in the middle of nowhere right and and so yeah so she she asked permission and we finally found the the guy that owned the land and he come out he wanted to see my vehicle just so he sort of knew what we were driving and he's like yeah go ahead he said feel free so uh you know she's all excited and we're probably gone probably gone from the deer about 35 40 minutes and we get back and coming down the hill and we can see him from the road he's laying on the tree line he's just bedded and he's bedded in the sunshine, so you can just see his racks just glowing. I said, you see him laying right there? And she, she can't really see him. And I'm like, you know, there's a little dip, and there's a tree, and there's a log, and I'm trying to point all this shit out. And But he's, like, glowing. He's in the sunshine. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, he's right there. So then the deer, you know, deer's calm. He hasn't moved. I sort of turn around, back the truck up into the approach. And then uh, I told her, well, get out, get all set up, get the gun on him get in a good shooting position, but we're just going to wait till he stands up. I said, if he doesn't, if he only gives you a split second, you have to be ready for that split second. So be ready and I'll get everything else ready. (laughs) So, you know, I turned the truck so she could get out with the cover of the truck and get out into the field and sort of get set up. And then I snuck out because I was on his side, right? So I snuck out with as minimal movement as I could, went around the truck, got all my shit out, got the camera on him got the binos up, you know, arranged them and everything, got her comfortable. And uh, just as I was getting the camera set on him just right, he stands up. And uh, she goes, yeah, he's up. And I said, okay, like, by the time I looked up, he's, he's like trotting. 
he's not running, but he's just he he saw something he didn't like. And so I said, just wait. You know, mule deer always will run 20, 30 yards, and then they always stop. Yeah. Like, just about 95% of the time, they'll stop. And they almost always stop broadside. So I said, he's, he'll stop before he gets to the trees. And sure enough, he turns, stops, looks at us all stupid, and I said, okay, take him. And she squeezes the trigger, <laughs> and I see hair fly, and he jumps straight up, and, and then he barrels off into the bush, and I hear some crashing and stuff. And I said, you hammered him. Like, you smacked him. You hit him good. And to me, watching through the camera, it looked a little forward, but like she definitely hit good solid body. And she's shooting my 300 short mag, so that's a lot of gun for yeah. for her. But it's nice and light. Um, and so she's you know plugging her fucking ears are ringing. That gun is so loud, she, she can't hear anything, and she's all excited. And I told her she hit it. She wants to go running across the field. And I said, no, let's just wait. We're gonna do some video. We'll give them a couple minutes. And we'll get over there. There's going to be blood. And we go over, do a little bit of filming, get over to the where she shot him. And she's kind of looking, but she's looking about 10 yards off in the wrong direction. And out of the corner of my eye, I can see this big, big spray of blood. It looks like somebody shot a, a spray paint can. And uh, I said, okay, come over here. We're going to film the blood trail and everything. Just don't get too excited. Try and like keep your cool. But that, that deer's dead. Like there's freaking much blood. There's that much blood. He's dead. So we start working our way down, down into the trees. And I'm thinking this deer is going to be at like 20, 30 yards from where we shot him. We get to 20, 30 yards. There's lots of blood. Like it doesn't slow down, but he's not there. And then we go down into this dry Creek sort of down this little Valley. And there's all kinds of blood everywhere, spraying all over the place, but he's still not there. We've gone about, you know, 60 70 yards and so now she's starting to like lose hope and everything and i'm like that's a terrible feeling too i'm like shit man like this that's a lot of blood like but they're tough they're tough but like i'm like man that's a lot of blood (laughs) like a lot of blood and i'm like you know if she hit him in the vitals um he'd be down just like his body would fall apart right by that far but she obviously hit him forward which is sort of what i kind of thought but she's like no it felt like a great shot like okay well you hammered him anyway so we keep moving and then we finally get to you know about a hundred yards and the blood's starting to like there's starting to be pools of clotting and and stuff you know it gets really dark yeah and he's like coughing shit up and i'm like okay we're gonna just stop for a minute and we're gonna give him you know 10 minutes and we're just going to wait. And we already gave them about, you know, 10 minutes when we're filming anyway. So at this point, you're, what, 20 minutes we're after We're 25 shot, minutes hour? behind them, yeah. <clears throat> I'm like, hey, we're just going to, you know, ease the situation too. We're just going to give everybody 10 minutes. And, you know, this deer's dead somewhere. But yeah. I just don't want to, like, if he's going to lay down, I don't want to bump him, obviously, yeah. right? So, and I, and I want this to be all her hunts, right? So she's packing the gun. If she has to shoot again, it's all on her. Yeah. And every, which, you know... She didn't end up having to do, thankfully, but we stopped. Um, she's like, well, what, you know, he should be dead. That's a lot of blood, right? I'm like, it's a lot of blood. I said, but, you know, you could have hit him in no man's land, right in between the organs and, and bone. I said, you obviously didn't hit him in the shoulder. I said, but there's blood spraying. So he, it's pumping out of him and it's not stopping. So let's just give him 10 minutes and and ease everything. And, you know, we'll come up to him, hopefully, right down the trail yeah. 
and I've been saying, you know, we're almost there, almost there, almost there for the last 20 minutes, and we're not there yet. So, you know, it's it's a lot of emotion for her. She never shot a deer last year for the first time. She shot a bear a couple years ago, but it was perfect. Has she, like, was this her first buck? This is her first buck. Oh, wow. Like, she shot a button buck last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this was, like, her first, like, real hunt, and it was totally her. Like, she did permission the permission the like decision making it was all on her i was just driving her around right (laughs) and so it was a lot of emotion for her that the buck wasn't like down she was convinced and i I, feelings my fault too for like hyping it up yeah um but i thought too like that deer's dead right under the tree like right there right and it just wasn't and so you know she's a little bit emotional in the situation i said no you just gotta calm down that deer's dead. Like, it, there's, there's so much blood that it can't be suffering. Like, I can't possibly imagine it's sitting there somewhere. Or we're, we're definitely not bumping it because it's not laying down yet. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to have that situation if it's, you know, we keep following it. So I just get her to calm down. I said, we're going to go down the trail a little bit further. And he's going to be right there. And so we walk not another 10 yards. And you can see this antler just laying in the grass. Nice. Perfect. And, uh... Did he get go into some nasty stuff or what? He really didn't. Um, so he ran probably, probably about a hundred and ten yards from where we shot him, and he covered that ground in probably forty seconds. Yeah, right. Crazy. So he didn't suffer at all, and no. he was dead before we even made it to where we shot him. Yeah, but because he went that far, you know, you want to do do your due diligence yeah. and just sort of sit back and let the situation, let them die in peace and everything. Right. You don't know what happened. At least not make it worse. Well, exactly. Not bump them. Yeah. You know, we are on the river Valley, but he stayed up in elevation. So it was great. And he actually died about 15 yards from where I could pull the truck in oh, on a trail. Nice. So it, it unfolded very well. And, uh, what happened was she actually shot him. He was running across sort of to the left of us as he was running. And so she was swinging the gun following him. And then when he stopped, she shot. And the shot was just a little bit left. So it was a little bit forward. And she shot inside the brisket. And so she clipped both front, the fronts of both lungs. Yeah. But then she hit, like, the jugular or whatever. Yeah. And so that's what was just... And with a 300 short mag, there was a hole, like, the size of a softball. Oh, yeah. And the size cool. of his neck. Well, I know some guys that all they'll do on deer is neck shots. Well, and, and, and I, that's what I'll some, do if yeah. it's... If you're, you know, within 50 yards yeah. with the rifles, definitely shoot them, you know, in the neck. Yeah. Um, you you got to be a confident There's, shot, obviously. That's it. There's a bigger chance for error. You know, yeah. your target isn't quite as big as your lungs. But if if you hit them in the neck, like, you're going to bust the neck. Yeah. So either way. Um, but, yeah, so she was a little bit forward, and, you know, it's a lot of gun. It was still a great shot. It was at 190 yards. Wow. That's a good shot. <laughs> and it was basically freehand. You know, she was kneeling. Yeah, yeah. But, uh and it was, you know, off the hop. She, you know, the deer moved. She was all set up, rested up, good on the backpack and everything. And then the deer moved. So she shot basically, you know, freehand. Yeah. And uh, and hammered him either way. That's Sweet. awesome, man. I love mule deer hunting. Like, I only experienced it the one time. But um, even with Amy when she had her tag. And it's, uh, they're just different than whitetails. I can't really pinpoint what it is. But I think it might even be the terrain. Like, hunting those valleys. The open country. Yeah. And we've said this about other animals like bears. It's so much fun to hunt something that's not gone in a flash. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, if whitetail sees you, and if it's a, if it's a smart whitetail, 
which are all the big ones are smart, yes. they're fucking gone. Or they see you way before you see them. Yeah. Where mule deer are kind of arrogant, right? For and, sure. And they're like... Yeah. And like you said, they'll see you. They might hop a few ways, but they'll sort of stop and have a look again. Um, and then a lot of times, too, they might see you at 200 yards, bedded down. They'll just look at you and, and they won't give a shit. Yeah. But as soon as you get close, well, then they'll then they'll leave. Right. But have you ever hunted mule deer before there, Charlie? I, I never had boys. No, not once. No, I've never targeted them. Never Are you building priority or anything? For I am. Them? Yeah, I'm yeah. just nine, nine, nine. And it just uh, till I get a connection down near Calgary. Somewhere. Yeah, for I, sure. I got a buddy that. Uh, lives in calgary and he's a firefighter there and his captain has permission in that area and he sends me pictures of this guy shooting he's an avid bow hunter yeah. so he shoots he shoots some pretty big deer wow. pretty big mule deer with his bow so i'm hoping to one day weasel my way in there and get, yeah without a doubt with man. that guy well, that's could, the cool thing about mule deer it's like you could easily easily find a 200 inch monster anywhere yeah there's a draw oh for sure well we got we got that archery one here from Peace River that went 216 inches. Yeah. Really? Guy got it around Peace River. In Peace River. Yeah. In velvet. In velvet. <laughs> Just <laughs> on the shelf over there. And then we got freezer, a hundred yeah. mid 190s from around Grand Prairie. And we got another, that hardhorn one that was in the 190s. And uh, oh, yeah, man. Like, and you know, whether you're going north, south, um, there's definitely well, good opportunities for them. Um, that area we were supposed to go hunting with Peter yes um that's you know i know manny was down there in that same area yeah. boreal huntsman and you know they were onto some some 180 plus mule deer every yeah. day that's crazy and you know what um they're just they're managed unlike whitetails like we had the discussion today yeah. with somebody how um whitetails alberta doesn't manage whitetails they just don't but they manage mule deer, and that's why we're seeing good-sized mule deer. Yeah, if you want to hunt them, you got to put in for a draw for rifle. And there's only a select few zones that um, that have general archery tags. But you'll go out and you'll see, you know, thirty does and ten bucks because they're managed. Where whitetails up here, you can have a rifle and kill three deer in September. Yep. You know, you think Saskatchewan, they've got their archery, then they got their um, shotgun muzzle loader, and then they have the rifle. And I think the rifle in some zones is only two weeks, three weeks. Where here, you can buy a tag in northern Alberta with the rifle, kill a buck, kill two does, first week of September. You know, and so what's happening is we're getting all the guys from down south because they got to wait till November to hunt whitetails. They come up here and, um, and you're allowed three three deer, right? And so it's the wild west for the first it's two the weeks. Wild, wild west. Like I've been sitting in my stand on September second, and you hear gunshots going off all over the place, well, right? All weekend, I heard same thing. You know, yeah. That first hour after sunset, sunrise, and there's bang. bang well, bang, fuck. Bang, bang, I bang. was so I got out to my spot Sunday morning. Two guys passed me in a truck, and I'm filming my filling my little introduction as I'm getting my gear on about to head out. And we are at about 6.45 at this point. Hunting start time is 7.16 that day. And I'm walking in and it's probably 6.59 or so. And I hear a gunshot. I'm like, okay, well, that was a little early. And those guys just passed me just down the freaking road. I can hear it. So I get in a little bit further to my spot. It's dark, so I'm sort of setting up blind because I don't really, it was a new spot, new area. Um, get my decoy set up 
get back to where I'm sitting down. I'm actually recording, saying, okay, it's 7.12. We have about five minutes to legal hunting time. Boom, another gunshot. And this time we're about four or five minutes to legal hunting time. And uh, yeah, you know, so that, now that's totally illegal, right? It doesn't matter whether it's like those guys are doing something 100% illegal. Um, but I think that we should manage whitetails better in Alberta, Northern Alberta in particular. Yeah, there's a fair amount of them, but um, I think they could do a better job. It you might know, be time to reevaluate the supplemental doe draw. Without a doubt, man. Um, I think it might be time to reevaluate all of the management. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, with, without a doubt. Because, you know, like we... I don't get a ton of deer on cameras. I've got several few, like several cameras out. I've got a bunch of them. Um, and, you know, we, we get a lot of young bucks, but we just don't see consistent four, five, six-year-old deer. Like we'll have the odd five-year-old, six-year-old that'll, we'll see them like four or five years in a row. And there's one or two that are always smart enough to just survive but there's just not the consistency like you see in Saskatchewan. Yeah, where you um, have like three or four target bucks. Yeah, and we talked stack. about that today. And so one theory, well, there's more hunters in Alberta. And 100%, there's more hunters in Alberta. So should we not manage them a little better rather than giving out a ton of fucking tags and allowing well, rifle to, hunters September I mean, 1st? There's so many variables with deer hunting. Like there's there's predators. There, those numbers change every year. The hunters yep. go up and down every year. You got uh, diseases and and things that take deer like pneumonia and tuberculosis and things like that with the fawns in the spring and well, winter kill. Win, definitely and, winter kill. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things to consider, and it might have to be something that is managed on a year by year basis, depending yeah. on numbers. Like, but I think something should probably be done. I know when I first moved to Alberta 15, 16 years ago, it was, you, you saw probably five deer to every one you see now. Yeah. It, you know. And so I think the reason why it was, why you've seen so many then is because Alberta had a lot less rules and regulations then. But what that meant is guys down south, um, they had a longer rifle season and so they didn't have to come up here. You know what I mean? There was more opportunity in other places, but up here we've always had that September 1st rifle season, you know, September 17th South of town. But as soon as you have a rifle, your odds of getting something go way up. And you know, if guy's coming up here from wherever and he drives six or seven hours and he's got two or three days to hunt, he's probably going to shoot the first deer he sees. So you don't have a chance to give those deer time to actually get to a mature, um, you know, a mature age. But what I would be in favor for and what I would like to see is at least in these Northern zones, don't open up your rifle season until November. Run your archery season, September and October, you know, Athabasca just down the road. That's what they do. And we see big deer come from that area here at the shop big, quite often. Big everything. Big elk too, right? Big elk everything. isn't until November 1st. Yeah. Um, I would like to see that up here because up here there's so much crown land and so it gets hammered so freaking hard. Um, and this is by people who don't predator hunt up here. Yeah. They come up here and they shoot the deer up, yeah. and shoot the moose yeah. and shoot whatever they can shoot and get a tag for, but they don't come back and shoot wolves. They don't shoot coyotes while yep. they're here. They don't bear hunt. And, you know, it does do a dent to the herd number. Without a doubt. Uh, I pass, like, I work out in the oil field in the, you know, the Canuso-Swan Hills area, and 
it's amazing how many people I run into on those roads out there that mm-hmm. are up from Edmonton for a weekend. They got yeah. two deer in the back of the truck already cruising around looking for another one the beer cans on the side of the road yeah and, honestly you know the whole works right and, and that's not everyone i shouldn't label yeah. everyone but you know you, you get the picture right it's uh it's i shouldn't say it's just those people but it is variables like those people yes wolves winter kill all that stuff that's that's really kind of and so i know the generic area you're talking about there and that's whitetail country but i've seen a lot of mule deer in there oh yeah yeah and not. you know what they aren't as plentiful as the whitetail, but um, that zone, 350, it was a general mule deer, like, I think 15 years ago or 20 years ago or something. And they just decimated them. Like, there was nothing left. And so now, because they're managed, you're starting to see mule deer consistently in those areas. They're coming back. They're coming back. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's it's very tough for an animal to go from you know, very, almost nothing to something, right? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, anyways, let's get to your weekend. You had a pretty eventful weekend, an eventful month, actually, to say the least. You hunted your ass off for moose. Well, we put a lot of time in for moose. We, I guess it depends on how you measure success, but we didn't end up shooting a moose, but uh, it, it wasn't for a lack of effort. Um you know, I, I'm looking back at the season now and I saw a few really good bulls early in the season before my dad got here. And I just thought, you know what, I'll videotape them. This is going great. I'm seeing lots of moose. We got the whole month. This is going to be peanuts. So, you know, October 1st comes and I got a probably 45 inch bull right <laughs> wow. 40 yards away, just talking right back and forth to me. And my dad had arrived the night before, so he wanted to sleep in that morning, of course. Right? When did your dad get into town? Uh, I think the last day of September he flew in. Oh, so he was around for a month? Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. I thought he was only around for a week or so. Yeah. No, I, I, no, he was here for a month, but my schedule went back to Monday to Friday, so I didn't have as much time to hunt So he anymore. stuck around with uh, your family yeah. and whatnot? Yeah, so nice. he hung out at home and uh, you know, got some time with the kids and grand, well, his grandkids and you know, got, you got, got to enjoy all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, basically we hunted, we hunted the weekends and we ended up seeing 10 moose throughout the month. Uh, I think there were seven of them were cows, but, uh, basically <laughs> we only saw bulls if it was about a kilometer or two outside of our zone. It seemed to be as soon as we pulled back into our zone at the end of the day, it was, you know, cause I'd go check some wells and then bring my dad for a drive and next thing you know there's a bull moose standing in our in our road you know i don't know two kilometers outside of my zone right that's how it goes man the last draw tag i had i hunted my ass off and you know what i was like it was my second or third year hunting up here i really didn't know much about it Um, and i drew this moose tag because there's only like a one or two priority and on the second last day I seen my first decent bull, but it was on the wrong side of the fucking road. <laughs> Always, yeah. But continue on. Anyway, yeah, so we had a tough moose hunt, but it was fun. And, uh, you know, he got to look down the barrel at a moose for the first time and had a moose in his scope and all that good stuff. So he turned around after having a moose in his scope and said, yep, that's good enough for me. And so, you know, we carried on and we were getting down to the last couple of days of his hunt. And we really, you know, grasping at straws for how to get a moose, right? So we've been hunting this, you know, same couple properties quite uh, 
quite religiously and you know in 360 you don't have a lot of options um so so you guys were hunting a lot of private was it yeah pretty much all private okay and uh is this your deer area yeah it is nice yeah so i've got about 15 trail cameras out there and we decided okay well let's just take a cruise around and i'll pull some memory cards i'll just swap them real quick and then we'll go sit in a blind and look at the trail camera car. It was midday. It was, I think, 10.30 in the morning. We had already sat all morning. So we said, yeah, we'll just go pull some cards and we'll go sit in the blind and I'll bring my computer and we'll yeah. look through some cards. So <laughs> we get in there, man, and it was just the most pitiful card pull you'd ever see. It was just, you were happy to see a doe actually on a couple of the cards. Yeah. It was very slow. Um, and that's October. Yeah, that's since changed, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's always like a lull in October. Yeah, that for, seemed to for be almost it. everything. It was it, it like I was pulling cards that would have been from the second and third weeks of October. Okay, right. So I would have been pulling them at the last week. Yeah, so the second, third, and fourth week of October. So moose and are sort of at the tail end of their yeah, prime. That, that, and, I was yeah. getting a bit of moose movement. Actually, a couple wolves and uh, the odd young buck, but. We just sat in there and we were kind of a little discouraged. We're thinking, you know, it's Halloween day. We got to go home early anyways. The kids are getting ready. We're going to go trick-or-treating. And, you know, maybe it was just meant to be. We're not getting a moose today. And so, yeah, we start packing everything up. Dad picks his head up. Is that a deer? And like, <laughs> we haven't been seeing anything, right? So I was like, I had to like rub my eyes for a second remember what deer looked like. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that is actually. I picked my binoculars up and looked at it. I was like, you know what, Dad? that's a shooter you've never shot a buck with your muzzle loader and yeah he said oh good enough for me he says and he put it up and boom big puff of smoke and it just i mean for me looking through my binoculars it looked like he just you just saw a ripple go across like a shock wave throughout the whole deer when it hit and wow you would have thought that deer didn't go 10 feet but in the end it went like 860 some meters from where oh, he really oh way off into the bush man wow. way back holy smokes yeah so i don't know the the we pulled the bullet out and it didn't expand oh really yeah it hit him and it didn't expand so it just went straight through and into the offside shoulder so wow. it did kill him but it it did it slowly because it yeah. was just it was a 50 cal but it, it didn't expand didn't right expand. so wow. you know it was only about the size of your pinky nail i wow. guess you know going through there and uh yeah he went a long ways and i did one of those little track it things on the uh app there yeah and uh yeah it said about 860 some meters of the sled holy go smokes. get a chainsaw on good my blood sled. trail though to track him down no not even was it all... didn't get through it didn't get through so the how the hell did shoulder. you find that deer at 800 yards away You're following away. fresh tracks in the snow yeah the thank god for that drop snow. and then about 350 400 yards he crossed a tra- like a, a pretty well-known trail that i um got a camera on and uh, you could see where he stumbled Okay. And like, it was just perfect. Fresh snow that morning. So there was no tracks besides what happened that morning. So yep. it couldn't have been in a, a more ideal situation yep. for tracking. Right. Um, only downside of that was his temperatures were going up like fast. Yeah. So, I mean, it was by the time, you know, I went back, got a chainsaw, got my sled, got that stuff ready. It was after lunch and you know, the snow's dripping off the trees. Your tracks are shrinking in the snow. Mm-hmm. 
you don't see much blood anymore. And like I said, thankfully it was just the one set of tracks I had to follow. If it was, uh, uh you know, like end of November hunt yeah. where there was six inches of snow on the ground for all of November and there were multiple tracks. Or in if it. it was snowing while you or, guys. Yeah. <laughs> or anything. And I mean, or the way no it's been snow. going or raining or whatever. <laughs> yeah. right? Like, So it was, you know, I think, this is, you know, uh, like I said, it depends on how you measure success. Uh, bet you the deer probably only scores 120 inches. Or no, whatever, that's successful, man. Anytime you can look over your dad's shoulder when he shoots a deer, man, Without that's a, a doubt. wicked, wicked day, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, we didn't get our moose, but I mean, like, I'll never forget that. Any like, I've only ever shot three deer with him my whole life. Yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, he was just you want to see him the big thumbs up and he even said bob's your uncle and, uh, <laughs> yeah he had all the old men one-liners going it was awesome so that's super yeah it cool. made him happy so it just made me happy as a byproduct yeah, yeah. i guess and it was uh, like i said it was real tough recovery but at the end of the day when you get done that it just feels good oh without a sure. doubt man they yeah. always feel the best when you got to work the fucking hardest yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was hands down my hardest recovery yeah. ever wow easily easily hardest one ever Jeez. i mean he's 68 years old so yeah he's, he's just carrying the gun right yeah yeah you know so yeah. does he come up here each year and do a little bit of hunting or yeah health, per, health permitting yeah okay yeah he's had to miss a few years just with he had cancer and some yeah. treatments and whatnot and then one year he had a heart attack and yeah so it's been uh, a little bit of a roller coaster with him but we've had some good memories and we've kind of learned to make the best of it right for now, sure man. He you really like my family's from Nova Scotia, so I don't know when oh, I dropped him off at the air. Well, that's just it. Or like he had, well, he's quarantining now. Oh, when he shit. goes back to Nova Scotia, they don't have any active cases, so he has to go home, get a test, and still isolate. He went home, got a negative test, yeah, and still has to isolate for fourteen days. Oh so, wow, eh? Yeah. So they, I mean, it's getting trickier and trickier <laughs> to make it happen, but it really kind of makes you appreciate it a lot more. Like those nights sitting at camp telling stories about when. It's the he best used part. to take me hunting as and you know when you're getting a few beer into you at this point yeah. right and things are getting a little tipsy and you know you don't always get to see your dad like that so it's kind of this year was really good for appreciating the other side of hunting for yeah. me you know like learning that it's not just about inches and big bucks and you know trying to shoot that ultimate biggest buck yeah, yeah. so you're the man and all this it's more about just really like I got my my son shot his first chicken there a couple weekends oh, wow. ago. Oh, that's awesome. So I just kind of wrapped my arms around him, put some yeah, yeah. on him. And he goes, Dad, that was awesome. Let's go get another one as soon as he shot it. So I think I got a little partner there. Yeah, that's super cool, man. And that's important. I actually, last year... I did the first hunt with my dad and, and we have never hunted before. Like he, Is we this just a bird hunt. Yeah. We did that waterfall hunt yeah. last year. And then, so this year I'm like, okay, hey, we got to book it again. So we did it again this year. And I think next spring we're going to do a, a wild boar hunt together, um, with a few of us and, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun, you know, just, uh, just to share a bit of what I do with him and, uh, and, you know, hunting memories are the best memories to make you know you got to get through some real tough times you got to make some decisions on the fly and you got to work as a group right and uh if everyone's not jiving it's not gonna fucking work out so no, and those those tough moments definitely put a cherry on top yes right? like sounds like you guys had to work as a team on your duck hunt <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was yeah that was pretty full for us we weren't shooting too great but yeah but uh, you know like the recovery of your dad's deer um, you know, being that 900 yard struggle and even, uh, even the, you know, the recovery.
recovery of Katie Steer. Yeah. It, it almost would have been too easy if there wasn't a little bit of wondering, a little bit of ups and downs of emotion. Well, and we talked about that with Braden's Bear. Yeah, because, you know, when it all does work out perfectly, being as experienced as I am and having been on as many hunts as I have, you know, with guiding and my own hunts and everything else, when it everything goes perfect, it's almost like a gimmick. Yeah. It's like, oh, like... We didn't really have to work. And for it's it almost anything. like you have to say, don't expect it to be like yeah, that. Every don't time. expect <laughs> it to be like that. Disclaimer. But it definitely, like, it's hard to explain, but it definitely feels better when you're, you know, hating your life for five minutes yeah. during it, or you're, you know, there's a struggle, or you feel like you want to cry, or whatever. Yeah. It's always better in the end when you get that that down before it comes way up again, right? Yeah. I've actually got a pretty good story. I'll, t- I'll try to keep it quick, but the, f- the set, well, my dad and I shot a buck in 2013 together. And long story shot, short, he hit it from about 100 yards. We gave it a half an hour. It was freezing ass cold out. It was like minus 21 or something like that. Wow. And we said, okay, half hour, we went over and looked, nothing, no blood anywhere. He hit it with a 300 short mag. Like, what the heck, right? Not a, nothing. We searched for like a half hour and finally found a drop of blood. Like, maybe 10, 15 feet from where we figured impact was. So we said, okay, we got to warm up. It's freezing cold. We went back, started the truck up, sat in the truck for probably another half hour, 45 minutes. I set my binoculars down on top of the blood. Well, when we walked back to that blood, like we thought we missed, like, you know, like, Oh, just one drop of blood. Like that was a huge buck. Like, I mean, it's 162 inches or something like that. Right. So, um, we were down like real down, went from on top of the world to just in the gutters. Yeah. And then when we walked over there, just the angle we walked down the hill my dad could see the deer the whole walk from the truck laying in the bush but we couldn't see it from the other (laughs) angle walking up the hill so at this point i'm like a dumb just a puppy dog like a dumb stupid dog nose to the ground looking for blood everywhere so i could just hear my dad giggling behind me i turn around like, what are you giggling at? Like, what is going on? And he's like, what's up there? And I'm just like, never mind, Dad. I'm busy, right? Like, yeah. nose back down, looking for blood. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I hear him giggle again, and he's just pointing at the deer. And it's probably wow 20 yards from where we gave yeah. up looking the first time. And it's crazy how in those moments you can get tunnel vision sometimes and just walk right oh, past yeah. it or not even think of of searching the immediate area and your shirt went in that direction and then you start going that way and nothing, right? It's just funny because now I can't see a drop of blood on the ground without thinking of that yeah. hunt together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like now sure. every time I think of that, I'm like, well, if there's a drop, that deer could be dead. Yeah, and the big game changer for me, well, one of them, like I've you know learned the lesson many times, but was Braden's hunt when we were hunting your bait there. Oh, yeah. And we looked for that thing for like 45 minutes before Eric got there, and we were fucking way back there, and you guys went back to the very start, show me the first drop of blood, and just followed him, and he just was 25 away, yards from that freaking bait, yeah. and we walked over, <laughs> you know? And that was great for him, because that was the first day of hunting. He only had two days, but... It would have been too easy if we shot it, and there it is, right? But instead, 
We looked for an hour and a half. It started raining on us in the middle of the dark. It was like one degree in mid-May. Well, I just remember in the photos that I took of you taking photos of your brother. Oh, okay. um, And Bella... It, they both had steam coming off. Oh, did they? They yeah. both did, like just naturally, <laughs> oh, just because they were warm and yeah. yeah. It was it was kind of it made the photos actually yeah. quite unique. No, it was a cool experience, yeah. and you know what? Like to have that sort of roller coaster ride of emotions on a single day hunt, <laughs> you couldn't really get more bang for your buck for something no, like that. That's right? why we do it, is you know, because it makes you feel a certain way. Without a doubt, and I've always said too, like my most prized animal and hunt i've ever been on was my mule deer hunt and that's because i hunted my ass off all freaking season you and put it was your on sweat that, and blood into it on yes yeah. put a ton of miles on you know the second last day i seen a ton of does but nothing and i just thought you know what i'm gonna try a spot i tried in september we'll just randomly hit the spot and sure enough you know it all came together and what did you end up shooting was it just a four corn no it was so he had he had four on what four by two Oh, okay, yeah. He had yeah, uh, yeah. four here, and then he had like two here, and then a little brown. So not a huge buck. No, not but, at all. That's what I'm saying. It was just a small, like 110-inch mule deer. Or the year after, you shot that year, a very, two weeks very before. good elk. <laughs> yeah. Like well, a yeah, very a good elk. elk. So that year, I got the elk, and then I got a white tail with Jax, and that was the first white but, tail we got. And then that mule deer. Your came. elk compared to the mule deer, how does the it make you feel? Fairly low on the list because yeah. I was hunting for mule deer when I got and what, that elk. What, but what did the elk score? It was like three hundred twenty or something. Yeah, it was three twenty six or something like yeah. that. So yeah. that, like a very, a very, very yeah. good elk. And yeah. it, awesome, but, I love it. But the way the elk unfolded. But it, the way the elk unfolded, I felt like it was sort of a gimme, right? Like they were just there, and I got them. Where the mule deer, I had pursued this yeah. to fill this mule deer tag, and it took all season to do it. Um, so it just means so much more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're really hunting those experiences. Absolutely. The adventure. And, you know, and that's what we've talked about. Like the goal is to get a mature animal that's bred a couple times. But like I said, there is going to be ex- exceptions, right? Like Amy, for example, she shot that little spiker. She'd been hunting forever for a whitetail. Didn't have much time. She seen it in her scope. She made the decision. She wanted to pull the trigger. And she was, you know, absolutely thrilled she got it, right? And you know what? All It depends how you feel, right? right? And we've talked about it like the first bear hunt this year. We said, you know, if we have a target bear coming in, I don't know if I'm going to take it because I want to experience the bears. Mm -hmm. But then that bear came in, the bear we were waiting for, and we're like, you know what? This is it. I'm feeling good. We're going to let an arrow fly. (laughs) And we did, right? And so, and that means the world to me, right? And like last year... 2019 um i shot one of the smaller bears i've shot you know it was like an 18 inch bear but i was with my brother right and it was a bear that got away from us the first day and so um that one was super special so you know we're chasing these experiences and these moments and uh you know a big one for me in the future i'm hoping for is a moose because this year was just a train wreck for moose for myself a fucking train wreck you you gotta put your time in right yes you gotta you gotta please the moose gods a little bit for and, sure. Uh, you know, that's just the way I look at it anyways. Yeah. It's it's almost a shame when, you know, you go out in your first try and you, you're successful. Yeah. Especially if it's like a giant. Yeah. Like I say this, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but when I was 14, I started bow hunting and uh, I started elk hunting that same year with my dad. Neither, neither one of us had ever chased elk before. Never, you know, never even really experienced seeing elk anywhere. And, uh, 
you know, we had our family property, never really hunted there before. Heard there was elk in the area, set up a blind, got there for, we were going to hunt two days. Got there the night before, popped up the blind on the pipeline, sort of, you know, not brushed in, not anything, just on the corner of a pipeline. Drove the side-by-side, parked the side-by-side right behind the blind the next morning. Climbed in the blind, squeaked the hoochie mama twice, and four <laughs> bull elk bugle on every direction of us. Wow. Right? So we're, we're sort of playing it like moose hunting. My dad's like pretty experienced moose hunter. Say, okay, we'll wait about 20 minutes and we'll just call again. See what happens. So we wait, 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 squeak again. Three elk reply. And we wait again and then two elk are back and forth, but they're coming in. And then one's coming in and one's circling us and he's bugling like every, you know, 20 steps. And then a cow pops out at 65 yards. And we're, we haven't done anything. We're just sitting there, right? And uh, then you can see the bull's nose poking out of the tree line and his antlers. And he's like a seven by seven. Like just a freaking wow. freak of nature. Probably never been hunted before, right? Well, that property. It, it's it's tucked away yeah. property and nobody hunts. It's all it's totally landlocked by private and and then it's bush and river in the back so there's elk and uh and this you know we just wait and wait the elk the cow moves across and then the bull steps out at like 45 yards my dad ranges it and you know i'm a 14 year old kid i'm shaking like a freaking leaf yeah i draw my bow back i try to aim a little high but you know i shot right below his belly and uh and that was my first elk, elk hunting experience wow. like we probably decided 24 hours before that moment that we were going elk hunting <laughs> yeah. and it was like oh this is gonna be easy right like i'm gonna get lots of opportunity at elk yeah and uh i've maybe seen an elk that big one other time yeah and never never had one at 45 yards again broadside since then wow. and it's I been find... it's been eight years yeah that's crazy <laughs> that's how it goes though man i find First day success, personally, I always take it for granted. Yeah. Always do. Like that first day of elk hunting, I was in a herd of elk for 50 minutes, burnt through my camera battery, and they went quiet. So I'm like, let's back out. Couldn't find them, right? And it took, we never ever got well, back on. Even it. me, my first hour and a half of elk hunting this year, yeah. I yes. Had three bulls. Prime at example. 10 yards. And so you're like, it's going to happen. We're going to have like, them again. Yeah, I'm not going to shoot these ones because they're not gargantuan. Exactly. And I've got elk hunting down now, apparently. I'm the elk <laughs> wizard. And this that's is my first I hour. Thought, right? Because then, okay, maybe have one other bull in bow range this year. And that's, that's how it goes, right? And then later on in the day is when I had the first stalk on the moose. And, and I'm like, oh, there's a moose. And I was with John. I'm like, hey, think I should put a stock on it? Like normally I'd be like, hey, I'm going to go get that thing. But I was sort of hunting elk, so I took it for granted, right? And he's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, okay. And so I didn't have much cover, so I just went walking right in on him. And I got to, I get to about 70. I'm like, oh, shit. Like they're just looking at me. I get to 60. The cow comes a little closer to me. And then I get to about 25. And I'm like, fuck. Now I'm like here. Yeah. Okay. And I, at this point, I thought I was at like 45. I never thought I'd covered that much ground. And I just went right over his back and, and I released it. I'm like, Oh shit. Well, okay. I missed him, but I took it for granted, you know? And if, if that would have been two weeks later on after hunting for, you know, five days, I would have taken it a little more serious. I think would have maybe ranged him a few more times, went in a little slower. Um, 
And yeah, so I just find, and even, you know, my first day hunting whitetail bucks here on Sunday was the first day of hunted bucks for myself. Um, first 20 minutes legal light, I had like a nice dark horned four by four, 40 yards from me. All I could see was the back of his head though. He was 20 yards from my decoy and he was in a little drainage. So all I could see was his antlers and I'm like, awesome. You know, he walked away. I thought, no big deal. I'm going to see a ton of bucks if that's how this is going. Yeah. Didn't see another fucking buck for two days. Right. Yeah. So that's how it goes. First day success. I find me, doesn't matter how many times I'm out, I always take it for granted. Well, always that's, do. That's a hard, you know, it's a hard decision to make, especially when you got like a time slot. Yeah. And you think of it, I always think of it like, okay, I have from this hour to this hour to make it happen. Yeah. Whether that's three or four days or if it's just one day, but it's like, it's, it's like a clock always ticking down. Um, but at the same time, you know, that first, I, I, I'm scared i said this on the last podcast i'm scared to go home without even trying yeah like i'm scared like if 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 something huge walks out in the first hour of of the hunt i always have that second thought of like oh but i didn't really hunt yet like it's here this is why yeah. i'm here <laughs> i know total reason why i'm though. here <laughs> yeah i know but like i didn't even get to hunt yet like i'm I didn't a little even more trigger happy around. but yeah and uh so i'm you know it's and that like gives me anxiety a little bit before my hunts. Like even, you know, I'm going moose hunting this weekend for two days and I'm thinking like, okay, what's well, the start of the month, <laughs> but it's not really it the start of the, the month because right? it's already eight days in by the time I'm up there, um, or seven days in. And so it's not really the start of the month. And I already had one opportunity to moose and blew it. So do I want to shoot the first one I see? Like, I don't know, but the answer yeah. is yes. Probably should. Yeah. Right. But I just don't know how I feel. And that's how I felt about whitetails. Like, I seen that first one and I'm like, oh, geez. Like, that was a decent buck, probably 135, 140 inch whitetail, nice dark four by four. And I thought, you know what? If this is how it's going to be, even if I do get a chance, I'm just going to let them be. And then come like the end of that first day, I'm like, fuck anything. Just come out. Second day, still nothing. And and you, I sort of get into a mindset where I'm like, okay, it's been two days now. I just need to see a buck and shoot it. But then I get, I finish my hunt and now I'm three days since then. And now I'm like, okay, you know, I still have three weeks. So sometimes you just got to take a break. If it's been tough, take a ba break, get a refresh your mind yeah. and then uh, start fresh. Right. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm at right now. I'm taking until the weekend off myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we're coming up into prime time for whitetails. Like we were just talking about, right. We're getting into this weekend is November 14th, 15th. Nope. Is it the 14th, 15th, 7th, 8th, 6th, 7th, 8th. Okay. That makes me feel even better. Cause yeah. we have four weekends. Oh, yeah. It's only the first weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank God. Um, so how are you hunting whitetails this year? What's your game plan? <clears throat> well, I actually decided to change things up because it's not really working for archery for me. Um, <clears throat> normally I've been trying to hunt one target buck for yeah. the last four or five years and just kind of always try and figure out what he's doing, stay on top of him, try and figure out where he's been, but more importantly, where he's going and, and what he's doing. And, uh, it hasn't been real. I don't think I'm there yet just in my skill set. So, this year, I'm going to go back to the way I used to hunt when I rifle hunted. And at this time of year, it was strictly locate mature does. Oh, okay. So I've been 
honing in on my trail cameras now, trying to find some does by themselves, no fawns, or even just nice, big, healthy does, even if they have a yearling fawn or whatever, that that, that won't really affect the, the buck rut. will still chase Yeah, it. yeah. So I'm, I'm just really trying to find high, high traffic doe areas right now with mature does and uh, looking to set up on the downwind side of the, those bedding areas. And uh, I'm thinking any day now, there's a cold front coming on the weekend. Temperatures are getting like minus 10, minus 12. And the winds are going to be out of the west. So that'll really look good for starting the rut and kind of getting things chasing. And maybe get some of those early does coming into estrus. Because those first ones that come into estrus are going to be the ones that you predominantly see the Mac Daddy or Top Dog buck take yeah. they'll usually get those first right does. off the bat yeah and you know a lot of times that can mean lockdown for two or three days where he just takes her off into the bush and has you know a weekend away with the missus and you know comes back <laughs> feeling great in a couple days and maybe that's when he slips up but uh i i think i had a lot of success as a rifle hunter just watching the downwind side of those bedding areas at this time of year and you know, if you can find active scrapes close to doe bedding areas, that's a really good sign. Those, do- uh, especially with these weather changes we got coming with rain and snow and melting, and you know, you still have some leaves dropping off of trees. So those bucks are going to be hitting scrape lines hard. They're going to be wanting to be the ones leaving the active scent on them for the does. They're going to be strolling through one after another, making sure they're the ones that are leaving their scent for the does to pick up and. It should be a good time to uh, hunt those scrape lines and and uh, the doe bedding areas. And I guess uh, everyone has their own tactics, but that that that's really worked well for me in the past. So I'm gonna try it uh, and just kind of see if I can set my stands up to be successful. With so archery. that's what I was gonna ask. So we're in northern Alberta. So whether you're white or whether you're rifle hunting or bow hunting, um, those bedding areas are usually gonna be in some fairly dense bush. In my usually, yeah, in my situation, because that's what I've noticed too. Yeah, um, so you're hunting tree stands then because you can't set up a blind in the bush very well. Visibility is crap. No, so basically, what I have is a a, a real thick green belt of of soft wood or spruce or fir uh, that goes straight across the quarter section through a really good hardwood stand, and that seems to be their bedding area now in that particular property there's a few natural funnels where just by the way they design the fence lines and the properties the tree lines actually funnel deer movement into certain areas and it's there's a really good funnel on the downwind side of one of these bedding areas so i i've actually got a uh, i just hung a stand in there last week um, after, you know, checking my cameras and seeing that it's been doe Interesting. after doe after doe after so doe. You're... I haven't seen a buck there yet. Wow. But there's so many does going by there that I set a stand up because next week, for every doe going by, there'll be a buck dogging it. Not so too will you far commit behind, right? to that stand? Or yes, if absolutely. you if you see if a different camera is hot, will you put up a stand in a different area in the middle of November? No. 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 Well, no, I shouldn't say no, but not likely. Uh, chances are where I'm at now is where I'll be hunting. Um, I got about seven tree stands on that property. So I'm pretty. So you have a few options. Though. Yeah, I got yeah. some I, I got some pretty good setups for any wind. So 
my I think I'll probably be hunting two stands the rest of the season. I would say just because of what I'm seeing for doe movement, and uh, the other ones are kind of not set up as well for bow. So are you hoping for some some bucks that are just covering ground, new bucks that move into the property, or? This year is an odd year. I don't have any huge bucks. Yeah. Like I said, last year and the year before, I'd always have a target buck that I was real hopeful to catch and try and pattern and think that I'm smarter than. And I've all, I've always just been humbled and realized that I can't do that. Yeah. I can't pattern these bucks, especially when it comes time for the rut. You have no clue what they're going to do. So hard, So man. I've given up on trying to pattern big, mature bucks. Uh, and I'm just going to try kind of going back a couple steps doing the things that made me successful hunting deer as a rifle hunter yeah and just trying to hone in what i've learned about archery and sand stand sets and you know putting yourself in the right position to try and make those same principles work for bow hunting yeah so i'm you know where i would normally have five six years ago put a ground blind you know 100 yards away from these funnels now i'm right in on top of them I'm, you know, 10 yards back. I'm just off the bedding area because those bucks from what I've seen and what I've read and what I've heard, they're right on those edges. They're up and down those bedding areas just trying to pick up that scent of estrus. And as soon as they do, they'll J-hook into there and they'll try and bump the does out of their bed and they'll just pester, pester, pester. Wow. Well, it sounds like you got great knowledge of of your area you're hunting. So that's good. I've been living, eating, and breathing whitetails here for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, you have. A lot of guys kind of, it's it's annoying sometimes because you see all these guys shooting huge moose and mule deer <laughs> and all this, and I'm just like, man, I wish I could shoot a moose and a mule deer, right? But, you know, my heart's really with whitetails. It's what I love the most, and I, I listen to podcasts all day about yeah. it. I read books about it. I, you know, anything I can get my hands on, I'll try to try to do it. Like I said, I got a ton of trail cameras and. Well, I know yeah. a lot of guys are looking forward to a few more chapters of your articles. Well, I got to find some stuff to write about. Like yeah. last year I had a really, really nice target buck. Yeah. He was a five by five, heavy antlered, really light white antlers, and he had double drop tines. Wow. Significant <laughs> drop tines. You got video of him, I did you not? I got video of him. I passed him October 8th last year with my rifle. I uh, videoed him coming right into me at about 150 yards, and I said, no, you know what? Don't shoot him with your rifle. If he lets you shoot him with your bow, fantastic. You can get it on film. That's all fine and dandy. Um, but he just took off into the same bedding area that I'm going to be hunting this weekend. And I haven't seen him since, not even on a trail camera photo or anything. So I don't even know if he's alive this year. Yeah. So hopefully I get a happy surprise and, you know, Sunday morning I'll uh, have that guy walking underneath my stand. But as it stands now, the biggest buck I've seen on any of my pictures is probably 150. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, which is respectable. That's and wrong I with shoot that. Especially with the bow, with man. Bow, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, I don't have any real crankers kicking around. I know they're in there. Well, the cool thing about this time of year, man, is you're going to have brand new bucks show up weekly. That's right. Yeah. They may, may not stick around. Well, they probably won't, but uh, you never know what's going to come under that well, stand. Well, you hunt a property like yours or like that property of my family's that's... Yeah you know, landlocked and then crown behind it as far as a guy can wander. 
Yeah, you're gonna have what you're I gonna like have the most. ghosts come out of out of hiding, right? Yeah, Eventually. Yeah. Do you ever have guys coming on the property? Nope. That's good. Nope. Uh, the odd I, time I saw you up. had a picture. Was it a couple weeks ago on Facebook? You're asking about a guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was in there, but it ended up being the landowner's son's buddy. Oh, oh I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, well, what happened was. So he wasn't trespassing. No, in, in, yeah. in the yeah, I took the post down because he wasn't trespassing, and oh, that's good. Uh, you know, it turns out to be a guy who's helping out the landowner's son who got stuck in Costa Rica during this COVID <laughs> thing. Oh, yeah. Now he's letting him come back and uh, do his isolation in one of his trailers, and so, I see. So he's letting him go yeah, hunt yeah, yeah, on yeah. his property and stuff, and I, he just yeah, forgot to call me or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it is no, it is no big deal. But uh, no, it's pretty good that way. Um, it's kind of landlocked. Yeah, like you can only get unless you go through a gate. Oh, yeah, when we good. were when we were there, like when you brought me out there that first time, I'm like, man, this is paradise. I can oh, believe it. it it's absolutely we paradise. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. very similar to my family's property. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very like very very much. So you guys know where that bear bait was? Yeah. So if you go another kilometer back into the bush on that trail, yep, I've cleared out another huge area that's thirty yards by thirty yards and. I got a big steel frame that's about the size of this room and is about as tall as this room. And I'm going to build a box blind on top of that okay, for yeah. next year, for yeah. next year's. Week. Oh, wow. It's going to be the penthouse. So that's yeah, cool. Nice. Yeah. I got a fishing camera, you know, those down yeah. fishing cameras. I'm going to have it as a bait camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to have it oh, hanging over by the bait. Nice. <laughs> Until they chew it up, I suppose. But. Well, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. freaking cool. Yeah, you had a lot of bears at that bait, man. That was oh, the yeah. hottest bait that I've I've been to in a long time. Boys, we shot our deer. What was it? Uh, my buddy shot a deer, I think it was probably mid-October. Okay. We're staying there. On that property? On that property, okay. in our campers. We quartered this deer and hung it up on the meat bowl in our campsite and had a bear come steal one of the quarters off our meat bowl. No way. Right in our camp. Wow. A huge bear, because I got him on trail camera. And this is like snow was on the ground and everything. Like he paw tracks like this. Wow. Right, And he just came right in. He sat there and ate it right in the middle of well, the Well, you were feeding him so good in May. They probably thought it was just yeah, a, oh, a yeah, late yeah, October yeah, treat. Late bait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they're, uh, they're all trained up up Have there. you seen any grizzlies on the property? No grizzlies this That's year. That's good. Yeah, there was a few of them in there last year, but nothing this year. I was uh, going to say, you're right in grizzly country for yeah. sure. Oh, absolutely. I expected to see them up there, but I didn't. Uh, um, there's a cougar in there. I saw the tracks of it anyway. And I got a pack of about seven wolves came through on one of my cameras the other night. So do you have any intentions of setting up a bait Absolutely. for them and hunting them? Yeah. 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 I saved all my little deer bits from this year and I'm going to freeze them in a barrel with water. Yeah. Yep. And then just a toss big, it out. A nice a bait sickle. Icicle. Yeah. <laughs> bait sickle. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. And then when you know there's they're there, set up. There's yeah. too many of them. Even... Even today, I went in to uh, get a couple jacks off that property for for my boss. And, yeah, sure enough, you go in and right on top of my tracks from where I left last week, pack of wolves. And that's not that's crazy, that far man. back in the bush, well, right? Yeah, like, we're going to have to hammer the wolves this winter for sure. Yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was I, the closest I've probably ever been to killing one about two weeks ago. I was right in the middle of a pack, and they were howling all around us. And I first we first seen... Two of them about 150 yards down a trail. 
um, when we were hunting for Amy's deer and they seen us and they hopped into the bush and they sort of just, they probably just sat 30 yards in, but we couldn't see them. And we were with the kids. So we're like, well, we'll carry on. And it wasn't 80 yards down, um, right to the left us. We see a, a great big gray one, a different one. And this one was, you know, 80 yards away from us. And, um, so I hop out and I get a ways into the bush. So, uh, so I'm away from the vehicle and they move a little ways down. So the wolves think the vehicle has gone. And then I uh, let out some pred- some rabbit distress calls and whatnot. And then they start howling. The two behind me started howling. The gray one starts howling and another one started howling. So I just sat there and waited and then they went quiet. So I howled and then they all started howling again, but they just wouldn't budge. They wouldn't move. They, uh, they seen the vehicle, so they knew something was up, right? They're smart. Yeah, but I've always had the idea of setting up a, a good bait, putting a cellular camera on it, setting up a nice a nice blind that's about 150, 200 yards away. So you're a fair distance away and set it up so you don't have to cross the bait. You just get into your blind and that bait's off in the distance. And then you know when those wolves are there. Because the issue with wolves, a lot of guys, they'll sit in that fucking bait for 14 days straight. Because they know that wolves going to come, but they aren't going to be there every single day, right? And they might come once or twice. Like you had a bait set up for wolves. And oh yeah, I've done. You had wolves on them every, every year, yeah. but they would sometimes go fourteen days without coming to the bait. Um, uh, yeah, but they aren't like they, bears. That's what week. I mean, right? Like bears are there every day. If you if you keep the bait full though, the wolves will be there. Yeah. Okay. And I could almost set my watch by the bears coming. Oh yeah, well, this, bear, this bears are yeah, bears and bears you, are a little careless, right? Where if, wolves if are. If you fucking maintain in, a man. good baiting schedule, like you're baiting every couple days, those bears are going to be there. Yeah, clockwork. Um, it just because I know a few guys that that bait wolves and they do guided wolf hunts, right? And they'll stick a guy in that blind for seven days, and they say, "Hey, if a wolf comes, you got to take that chance because you will probably only have one or two chances all week or in the ten days stint you're here." Yeah, and 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 a lot of it's just you gotta be sitting there, you know. A wolf, a wolf will sit on the edge of a bait for hours if something's not quite right. Yeah, and they'll just wait. They got nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, you're not hunting wolves in shorts and a t-shirt either. That's exactly no. it. And I've found, like, I've done a few guided wolf hunts, and it's tough for people to sit in northern Alberta. Yeah, in the middle of February or January, whatever it is. Um, and just sit there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's terrible. I, it's not a fun hunt. Um, but if you want a wolf, that's how you got to do it. Yeah. That's the most efficient way. You know, I've had, I had some clients that came from Denmark a few years ago. We flew all the way from Denmark just to do a wolf hunt. And they quit after three days. They sat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They decided they were going home. And it was, you know, minus 25, minus yeah. 30 during through throughout the day that's when those wolves are, are but, moving and then yeah. you know that thursday i went to go top up baits and there was wolves at the bait they should have been sitting in that day yeah but you know the temperature also went up to 10 degrees minus 10 so it, it you know it would it's have been tough. a nicer day but you got to be committed you got to sit still because they're way more cracked out than a whitetail yeah right and just to do that when it's, you know, minus 30 and you got nothing to look at but the fucking snow and a dead carcass and some ravens. Oh, what do you think crazy. about sitting in a white pickup truck? Well, that would probably work. If do you, you think a nice pickup truck still? would be too 
I know uh, if, if that, guys. If that pickup truck isn't there all the time, I think as soon as they see that pickup truck. Then again, you got to also it. open the door and get out and shoot. Yeah. yeah. No, I think what you got to do is build a little wooden blind, like even something as small as an outhouse. Yeah. And, and, and something Have a buddy that, heater in there. Yeah. Like yeah, a pop, a pop-up call. blind is a good bare minimum. But, but they're fucking cold. They're cold. <laughs> no, they're even dry. if you put a you <laughs> yeah. put a buddy heater in it, you know the snow melts off the roof, and there's heat pouring out the windows, and you know it's flapping in the wind. But if you build like a nice plywood one, yeah, with some just like sliding windows or something, you know you can keep the heat in. You can take your coat off. You can move. Yeah, and you even just a poke, nice fishing one. Yeah, and you just oh, poke. Sure. You just poke yeah. the poke the gun barrel out the window and bang. Yeah, yeah. and your place would be perfect. Your property because you got those long stretches yeah. of trails. Yep. Yeah, they and if you're perfect. the only one on there, you know that you just don't go on the property for ten w- days or two weeks, and those wolves are going to be quite comfortable, right? And set yourself up about two hundred yards away, and no, oh, that'd be awesome. I do have some intentions on doing yeah. that. I I hope to get around to it. You can uh, make a little money too, because in that zone, I think it's three hundred dollars. Yep. Is there our buddy yep. John there? I he shot uh, that one the other day. Then I saw he one was at work. he was making a pretty penny a couple of years off of him because he was getting money from the band every time he'd shoot a wolf on the reservation. They would oh, give him wow. like five hundred, and then the MD because it's in the MD would give him like three hundred. And then he'd sell Plus the, he'd could the sell fur. The fur. Sell the fur, yeah. and then he gets 10 wolves. You're getting 10 grand. a wolf. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, but he's also trapping them, too. And that's how much of a problem wolves are. Yeah. They're willing to pay to get They're rid of them. Everywhere. Every road I have, every well that I have is just... But they'll never, down. ever do it on Crown property. They'll never do it on Crown land. I talked to What's that? our fishing game buddy. Uh, do... Uh, a bounty oh yeah, like yeah. In this zone. yeah they'll never do it because the ungulates don't have the value that um the the cattle do and the yeah. horses do that these ranchers and whatnot own right yeah um because the insurance company's got to pay for those if they lose something where the ungulates you know like they aren't yeah. managing deer we've already said yeah. up here right so um they'll never have a bounty in in these areas but once you get to your area where it is a bunch of private um yeah no they got i'm pretty sure it's 300 dollars. Yeah, especially on private land too yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it's three and it's anywhere in the md you bring it in they'll stamp three little holes in the ear and then um and then it's yours and then it's yours you keep it. Hmm. yeah we're we're actually you know majority of the wolves we get are just opportunistic kills. Guys are hunting deer or driving they're ranchers tractor. driving in a tractor and they see the wolf and they get it. And even the Americans and the guys from Denmark, when they get wolves, they're usually hunting bears or hunting <clears throat> moose or elk or <laughs> deer and uh, they see a wolf and they get it. It's not very often you have a guy who's coming up to pursue wolves yeah, because it is so tough. There is... There's, There's guys out there that, that, that have it know, down pat. You know, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, like Byron with Wolf Hunting Adventures. Yeah. He's probably one of the best known wolf killers in, yeah. in our province, right? Yeah. And uh, he just, whatever he does, he's got it down. And uh, the guys that come kill wolves. Yeah. Um, it's doable, but it's 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 a struggle of its own just to yeah. sit there and not go crazy. Yeah, well, I and I've talked about it even just sitting in the deer stand. Like I'm sure you can relate to that. Oh yeah. Like your your August and September days where you get in there at first light and it's it's a 16 hour day in the stand. You know, you get in there at sun up. A lot of those days is like 6:30 in you know end of August, and then you're sitting until 9:30 at night because sundown is like nine o'clock at night. 
That's a long freaking day. And you go, like, I know you go freaking cuckoo, man. <laughs> this year, I haven't hunted a morning yet. I haven't sat in the stand once this year. Not oh, once. Really? I Not once, man. I hunted moose and elk hard in September every chance I could. And then um, October here, we had the waterfowl hunt, hunted with Amy a bit. Um, <laughs> we did a hunt with Eric and Jackson, and we got a, a doe. Um, but I hadn't sat in the stand yet just cause, you know, similar to you, just nothing too crazy of whitetails yeah. that really gave me that itch. So I said, you know what, November, I'm going to hunt them hard in November. I'm going to hunt cut blocks, cut lines with the rifle. And then if I feel like I want to sit in the stand, I'm going to sit in the stand. With in the all boat. honesty, so, though, have you ever had any luck hunting mornings for whitetail early in the season? Um, I got lucky with a moose early in the morning, like an hour into the morning. Um, but it's no, it's tough. Mornings yeah. are tough. Yeah. I've given up morning hunting deer until the rut. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even bother with them this October. I yeah. Just I'm just trying in, to think. And yeah, mornings are for moose. Like, and I'd even get deer in, in, in August, they're still in their summer patterns. So they might come through at two in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, like it's, they just, they aren't, well, as soon as they lose that velvet, Oh, um it's a crap shoot it's a shit show until until they're up basically then you know that you're you might have some action but yeah you have that like mid-september october lull which uh is painful some days to sit in the stand you know i looked into that a little bit about that whole velvet loss thing and what goes on there and apparently yeah. there's quite a hormone shift at that time in those well, deer i, that imagine. I could that. imagine so they go, uh, like, I, this is just one paper from some guy doing a research paper in some, I think it was even in a Wisconsin university or something like that. Yeah. But it basically just said it's, they, they go kind of a little bit crazy during that week because of the overload of hormones yeah. throughout their body. And when they, they shed that velvet. Yeah, when they okay. shed the velvet. They don't know quite what it is, but yeah. they do know there's a dump of testosterone or whatever hormones that cause them to harden those antlers up but well and i've noticed like so there is something to it yeah i've noticed it 100 where you can pattern them easily and in, in the summertime in velvet for sure easy and then as soon as they strip that velvet they you don't see them I and you might you might get the odd photo of them here and there um but they just aren't in their summer patterns um but then what i think is if like you said if you're hunting where those does are at least if you can keep track of those does well, the bucks will follow come wrecked, right? So and yeah, honestly, even if you aren't even keeping track of them, even if you just know you're in an area where does are better, yeah, yeah. even if they're not currently there or you know it's not one particular doe, like if you can just be close to that bedding area and kind of put your time in this time of year, you're you're gonna get lucky eventually. Yeah. You're gonna have a mature buck coming cruising by at some point. And I mean, you just that's the thing. You gotta be able to sit there and yeah. deal with minus fifteen and wind and you know, not seeing anything for hours on end mm -hmm. for that one kind of crack in the trees where you're like, oh, that's not a squirrel. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, without a doubt. How high, how high do you hang your tree stands? And what are you using for a stand? Is it a, like a, a ladder stand or just a hanger or a no, climbing I'm one? No, all ladder stands because I like for my old man to be able to get up and yeah. right? So, yeah. um, so you're two-seater and one-seater ladder stands. 12-foot stands uh, or 20s. I think I'm sitting at 16, 16. feet in these yeah. last ones. I think I'm at yeah. So they're the the last two I got were just single seaters, and they're a little higher than my double seaters. But uh, yeah, I, I got do, a single ladder. I think it's twenty. They're comfortable. Though, I man. do like them. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. You got they're sturdy. They're yeah. quiet. You don't make a lot of noise up there, and there's not really any railings to kind of 
you know, make noise up against when you're yes. turning or anything. Like I like to set my belt up. Okay. So that I'm always leaning on it. Yeah. I always got a little yeah, bit I of like weight on too, it, right? Yeah. So you can lean this way and kind of just lean into your belt and have a little snooze yeah. if you need to or whatever, right? But I kind of like to always be able to so that when I lean out and go to shoot, I can lean all my weight out on my rope. So do you sit when you shoot or are you standing? Oh, I'll stand up. You stand Yeah, up. I'll stand up and lean yeah. right out on my rope so I can, you know, like if I'm lean right out on that harness, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> That's you what I do move, too. Man. You can't, man, I, so I can't do that. I well, make, I spent I, I five make, years as a derrican on a rig, yeah, right? Throwing yeah. pipes. So that's exactly how See, you do it. See, I got my stands day, right? about 20 feet. And and the first the first year I really hunted that stand hard, the second day I had deer come in and nice, a nice velvet buck. I was ready to shoot. I draw back and the, hit tree's the tree right behind me. So then I go to stand up and I'm just shaking, right? So I sit back down and I lean and I just right under him. Yeah. And then so I'm like, okay, I got to set up my stand sideways so I can draw back. And I just tried, but with, you know, those hanging stands, a little platform, I just, I couldn't fucking do it. I'm like, well, if I lower it and I did lower it to like 12 feet, I'm like, okay, this is a little better, but no, I want to be at 20. So then I just got comfortable sitting, but you're so much more limited if you're sitting, yeah. right? So um, I do like the the climbing or the the ladder stands. Like those are a lot more sturdy. They are and sturdy. I've got a and single you're away man. from the tree a little bit more, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, I like them and I can stand in those, but just the hanging ones with the little bases and the seats. Like I actually did sit in the stand for the first time on on monday this past monday for deer didn't see anything and i was actually hunting the stand i'd set up for for bow and rifle because i gotta i'm in front of a nice trail that's perfect for bow but i can also see a cut line that's about 70 yards away that they like to you know they like to move on and so uh, i brought my rifle because i thought hey if i see something out there it's november there might be something cruising didn't see anything but um that was the first sit in the stand and uh and even then man that first set at like 23 feet up there <laughs> just getting in there for the first time you got to give it a good shake to make sure everything's still hanging but <laughs> but i like the ladder stands are definitely the most comfortable i noticed sure. they're making them a little wider the bases now the okay. ladders are actually well I mean, this is just this one model maybe i don't know but i keep buying big game stands so you think yeah that's the one a, i got a generic ladder size but it's it's not they've made it actually a little wider i think it's 10 inches wide now oh, okay which when you're up in it adds quite a bit of stability uh, i find yeah you betcha and it kind of has more of a foot down there to kind of lean on the tree yeah um, I, I don't know. I really like that stand. And I, so you said you're going to set one up here or no, you just I set did. one up a I week did ago last week. Uh, and a ladder stand. Right the, actually the day that dad and I got his deer um, and we kind of found all those does was when I decided that that's where I'll be hunting. And you think, and that won't interfere like with them just seeing that ladder stand all of a sudden there, you don't think that'll throw them off too much. Oh no! I walked no. back later that day, and there were two does standing there. right underneath it. Yeah. Interesting, because I found a really nice spot where I started my hunt there on uh, on Sunday, and some like major scrape lines, like fresh that day. Um, but I had stomped around in this area quite a bit, and so I ended up not hunting in the evening just because I. I was all over the place just trying to find a good place to set up and I didn't but it's really good for a tree stand because there's all these little drainages where the deer run around in. and if I'm just set it up on the ground all I can see were their antlers basically but if I'm up a little bit higher 20 feet up in a tree um, you know that would be perfect but then I was thinking you know I've stomped around in here quite a bit if I put up a stand here you know in November 
are they going to be a little weary? Are they going to move out? Have so you I'm heard, torn uh, on what I should do. It's a brand new spot. Like I've never been to it. It doesn't look like anyone's been in there because um, the deer activity is just insane in this one little hmm. spot. Have you heard of the new technique called bump and dump? No. So this is a new thing catching on in the States for whitetail hunters, the saddle hunter trend. Oh, oh I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. So what they're doing is... is this new trend and i i'm not a well i've heard of the saddle yeah like to me this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you know the long-term health of your property but the the idea is that you find a, a mature buck watch him go back to bed and then you bump him out of his bed and you hang a stand up in there and wait till he comes back okay so this is this new technique called bump and dump and I don't. I think it's the wired to hunt guys, uh, Diagostino or whatever his name is. Uh, who who the guy who uh, started lone wolf stands? Oh, okay. I believe it's his wow. his technique or his huh. his coin term. So he's confident enough that if you bump him out of that stand, a buck, that they buck's more than likely going to come back. Yeah. And it does make sense, but just because yeah. this year, like we talked about earlier on the podcast. You know, the deer, yeah, there's a fair bit of them, but it's tough to find a really good deer spot. And I stumbled upon this spot because I, Sunday morning, the, I'll tell you the actual story. So this was my first day of whitetail hunting and I had a nice cut block. I've got a few cameras set up in good deer activity and there's actually an oil lease gate at the front and it's always open. And so I get there, it's, you know, 50 clicks from town. I leave the house at 5.30 a.m., get there at 6 a.m. and the gate's shut. I'm like, okay, well, it's obviously guys hunting back here. They set up a camp. I'm just going to open it up. You know, I'm sure no one's been in that cut block because it's sort of tucked away. I drive in and sure enough, there's like fresh human tracks in and out. So they were there yesterday. And I said, you know what? There's guys here. I don't, they probably might not hunt it today, but I'm just going to let them be. I don't want to be bumping into guys. So I got out there, looked at my map, found this other cut block. I'm like, you know what? I'll try that. Got to that spot. And yeah, sure enough, just tracks littered everywhere. Like I haven't seen that many buck and doe tracks before. Um, and so I sat that morning, seen the one buck left at noon. Cause I wanted to try a different spot and that spot didn't pan out. So I went back to this one, but like there's, this area was logged about 10 years ago. So there's trees now that have grown about 10 feet and these, these little drainages. Um, so it's, it's tough to set up with a rifle because you can't really see much further than like 30 yards ahead of you. So it'd be all right for bow, but ideally you need a tree stand in that spot. So I didn't end up hunting there the evening. I ended up just stomping around the whole place and I found a ton of scrapes and like a lot of good activity, found out where they're traveling and they're running around in these little drainages because you just can't see them in there. And so I was thinking of putting a tree stand in there, but I was just, you know, I'm torn because I've got it in my mind that, Hey, if I put something up on November 7th, you know, it might take him a few weeks to get used to it, but maybe not. You know, I don't have the experience of whitetails. So I was torn on what I should do because I don't really have any hot spots right now. Like my tree stands, you know, they're all right. But this area, I don't think anyone's really hunted this spot because my, it's such a shitty spot to hunt because it's grown in. My advice to you, man, would it, just based on what I'm hearing is if you don't have any mega shooter bucks that you're after, pick a nice windy day. Okay. Windy, crappy day that's noisy. Yeah. Can't hear anything. Okay. And go quickly set a stand up, bring someone with you. You know, those little one-seater ones are pretty quick. Yeah. You can get them up quick. That's not going to hurt anything, man. Well, I've so I've got 
all of my stands out except for my ladder stand. I've got the ladder stand left. And um, how easily can you put it up? Well, that's the thing, and that's why I've, I haven't I've set that thing up once and taken it down because it's such a pain in the ass. Well, I've got it put together, I just got to piece it. That um, might not be the one, then, yeah, unless yeah. you got help. But if you well, how do, how do you set your ladder stand up? Do you build it and then just lean it up against a tree, or do you build it up? No, the so tree? I have I have the ladders, like we brought it to Bear Camp, eh? I've got it in four pieces, yeah. yeah. So you, you, but don't you build it on the ground and then just stand it up, yeah. You, that one's too big for you to do it yourself. Uh, no, I could do it. It's a yeah. single. Yeah. It's just not too, too, yeah. not too, no, too bad. I hung the single and my dad was sitting in it that night and had, I, I have a big come game right underneath it. I have a big game double yeah. and like I can, it's tough, but I can push it up myself. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. boys, last year I shot at a big buck and, and hit it, but never did recover it. And it was the biggest buck I've ever shot at. I popped that blind up that night. Wow! Yeah. Just hours before I shot yeah. at that deer. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you What do you got to lose, thing. right? Exactly. You don't have a camera there to say, "Oh, well, this deer never showed up again." Yeah, exactly. And honestly, don't. Uh, just as long as you kind of minimize your footprint and get yeah. good wind, where your wind's blowing out off over the middle of the cut block and it's noisy, and, yeah. And you know, minimize that footprint in there. It's not going to hurt. Anything. And that's one thing I was glad about the melt on Monday because I fucking stomped around there on Sunday and, and it was all melted by gone, the next yeah. morning, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to try that. I brought something for you guys. I know Eric, you've been bugging me. Oh man. I got finally. some seasoning for That's you guys. For oh, boy. So we've got the Booner blend multi-purpose. This is, um, this is a very good multi-purpose steak seasoning. It's awesome. You guys try a little bit of that. That's really good. Just in your palm. You'll like it. Uh, lemon pepper, open season, lemon pepper seasoning, the wicked walleye anglers medley. So I actually oh, put yeah. this on, uh, some rough gross we had at supper and it's very very good that stuff there nice. and then we got uh blazing bising spicy tacos so these are non-typical nation seasonings and um this one here we'll just add it to taco seasoning and it adds a bit of a spice it's really good for wild game it's got a good flavor to it you'll like that that's coarse so i actually take that lid off and you can get some of the coarser stuff but um yeah these three are my favorite the booner blend Wicked walleye and open season, and that's the the spicy taco. So, oh, that is good steak spice. It is. So yeah, yeah. you guys grab grab two of those each, and uh, let me know your thoughts. Um, we have a few left in there for sale at nontypical.org. But uh, yeah, I was that's cooking good. some gross yeah, like tonight, that. and like you know really what, good. I gotta bring some for these guys. So yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Cool. Well, we covered a lot of topics. I think we caught up on things there, Charlie. It's been a while, man. Yeah. Hopefully, the next podcast won't be seven months from now or <laughs> well, hopefully it's next month and we're talking about a big buck i shot well yeah For we sure. got lots of adventures ahead of us right? we so, really yeah. do man so how do you guys feel about this uh this time change i want to oh, i want to get your opinion man on we it. were we were just screaming at the radio yeah, about it today we were talking about it at the show does it bother you at all charlie yeah it does because you know working guys during hunting season we lose that hour and that's exactly kind of something we wait for all <laughs> yeah. year right like why yeah. not wait till december if we're gonna do this nonsense or why not get rid of it all together or yeah. you know whatever but the, i'm definitely for the get rid of it all together thing this is just it's killing me i can't get an afternoon sit-in anymore after work well that's right? exactly <laughs> it right like right now the sun is down i think it's 450 right around here 450 450 yeah, so what's that legal lights 525 exactly right and so um but you're losing three or four minutes every day too yeah so Absolutely. come it's come yeah, mid-november right you're down to 4 30 yeah sundown um 
And so what I, yeah. So what that means, like this weekend I had to get up, I was up at 5 a.m. out of the house by 5.30 so I could get to my areas by 7 a.m. Um, and then you're done hunting by 5. And yeah, the thing is too, you know, after work, you can't go out with your son and go shoot some chickens because right. it's pitch black by 4.30, yeah. 5 yeah. o'clock. Where if we had that extra hour, I just think it's it's uh, some dumb thing that's never been freaking changed. And we're one of the last provinces that haven't changed it. Yeah. But what they're talking about doing is they're talking about going to stand standard time or central or whatever it was. So the time we're at right now is what we would keep. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And so they had some sleep sleep guy on the radio today who's from Ottawa and he said that that's what Alberta has to do. Um it just it makes more the sense for whatever decision. reason. He said it's it's healthier to have an hour of sunlight in the morning rather than an hour in the evening. Because what he said is come December, you'll have a few days that the sun's not coming up till 945. Where right now, come December, that sun will come up around 845. That's the shortest day. Yeah. Um, but me personally, I'd rather have that hour in the evening than in the morning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you're going to work at the same time anyway. Yeah. Right? So to, to, to have that daylight afterwards is where you want it. Absolutely. And so Saskatchewan, they they had never, ever agreed to that. Because yeah. you got farmers, right? They're fucking cattle. They don't know what time it is. Or their horses <laughs> or their pigs. No. But they fucking eat when that sun comes that's up, right? right? Yeah. So, um, and that's like my kids, right? Like, you know, me or my wife, we know there's a time change. So we can just mentally sleep in the extra hour. But then at 6 a.m., they were up. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, they just, you know, yeah. that's just how it goes. But. Yeah. Um, so I sort of hacked my system this weekend where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do the time change until Tuesday. <laughs> so when I wake up and it's actually five 30, I'll think it's six 30 and, uh, then it doesn't just go fuck with my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just go by with my day. Yeah. Well, it's, it sure is painful. Like in like moose camp or when I'm outfitting most of the fall season, right? You get it. You're starting beginning of September. You're getting up at five. So you can start yeah. hunting at five 45, six. And then, you know, by the middle of October, you're not getting up till six. Yeah. So you get that whole extra hour of sleep. And you're getting used to that. You're getting used to it. You're like, oh, I can finally sleep in. Like early season's over. It's easier to sleep in. Yeah, it's, yeah. You get a little bit more sleep and, you know, you're done a little bit earlier. So you're eating dinner earlier. And then November 1st rolls back around and you show up back in camp and you're getting up at 445 again. Yeah. And so that's so, you know, and if they do switch it to this time we're at now. It'll still be better than this stupid time change. Well, just the change is unnecessary. Pick, it is pick totally one or the other. Pick one or the other. Now, I would prefer um, the extra hour of of light in the evening. Um, you know, I love bear hunting till ten o'clock at oh, night. That's really yeah. cool, yeah. right? Like, yeah, no, I guess nine o'clock would be all right too. But no, I, I like the extra hour in the afternoon and evening. Um, you know, the morning it is what it is. But <laughs> but it's perspective, right? Because you get used to it for sure. So you're used yeah. to the you know, the 10 o'clock. And that's why we got to find something and stick to it. Just because stick. if it is... Just find something and stick to it. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it here, like this big door in the shop lets in all the sunlight throughout the day. And I was just telling Brody that it's like depressing. 3.30 comes around now, now that it's oh, November. Yeah. And you see like that that door starting to get dark. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I should be going home yeah. like right away. But well, no, we still got to... That's you know? gonna hit people a lot harder this year too. Well, and that's right? I think oh, yeah. it, it, that plays a stuff, right? plays a big part in like yeah. seasonal depression. And mm. I remember being in school, and you get to school, and it's dark outside. 
Like you're getting on the bus in the dark. Mm-hmm. You get to school, it's dark. Then you come home at you know four o'clock, and it's pretty much dark again. Mm-hmm. Or now we are working nine to five. You come into the shop in the dark. You leave the shop in the dark, and it's yeah. super depressing, right? When I and first moved to Alberta, I worked up in Red Earth on a rig, and I never saw Red Earth in the daylight for, oh, for yeah. a month. Yeah, yeah, that's a killer, you man. Just eh? Leave in the morning, it's dark. You get home, it's dark. Yeah, it's just. Groundhog and day. see the morning in the dark isn't so bad because if i'm doing something in the morning in the dark i feel like i'm ahead of the ball yeah but when i come home in the dark then you're like frick man like there's no time there's left. nothing to do anything else like we yeah. want to hang christmas lights right and so if i gotta hang christmas lights now i'm gonna have to get our big spotlights from kodiak yeah. led and yeah, light her exactly. up so i can hang some freaking lights right yeah. um but uh yeah you know that's the way she goes but yeah we just gotta pick something whether it's one extra hour in the morning and one extra hour in the evening and just stick with it. This flip-flopping is just, uh, it's outdated and, and just nonsense. With you. It's you unnecessary, know, the, really. The deer yeah. and the moose, they walk out when that sun's oh, yeah. the right position in the sky. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what numbers put on it, right? Well, what did you tell me that you see it on Facebook or something that, that they're saying? That uh, that quote or White that, man that yeah. meme? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah who, so who there's, cuts off the... Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a meme of like a, a, a native guy... You know, it's just a picture of a native guy in traditional whatever. And uh, he said, only white man would cut the bottom off a blanket and sew it to the top and try and get a longer blanket. <laughs> right? And that basically sums up. Yeah, savings. Touche. And so I'm, I, I could be wrong because there's probably people from BC listening, but I thought I read that BC this year, it would be easy for me to check, but I thought BC this year wasn't doing it. Last year was their last year. And Alberta was one of the last provinces to still do the time change. I think we're, we're definitely one of the last Western ones that, yeah. if, you know, who cares about the guys in the East? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that one's for Charlie. Do you guys have a, <laughs> why, it, is there a time change? Yeah, there is, yeah. Oh, they have it too. Yeah. We uh, even got that funky <laughs> half hour time zone for the Newfoundlanders. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Explain that. What's a half hour time zone? Well, you have another, ti- no. you have another time zone. So there's Eastern. Okay. And then there's Atlantic. And there's Newfie time. And then there's Newfie oh, okay. time, right? So Eastern is like Toronto and, uh, on, well, I guess all of Ontario. I believe New York and the Eastern Seaboard of the States is, is Eastern. And then Atlantic is like Nova Scotia, PEI, New Brunswick. And then a little bit over here is Newfoundland, and they got their own little half-hour time zone. Eh? It is sort so of weird how... Joke, eh? Hockey game's on at 8, 8.30 in Newfoundland. Oh, so it's actually a half-hour <laughs> different time yeah. zone. It's Holy a different time zone. Holy shit. So if it was, t- say it's 10 o'clock in Nova Scotia right now, it's 10.30 in Newfoundland. So that half-hour makes that much of a difference. They got to just throw everyone right well, off, eh? Say, yeah. New pieces want to have it their way, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it is sort of strange how, like, the human race just as a whole has decided that we're going to make it so every 12 noon, degrees. 12 o'clock is, is lunchtime basically everywhere. Yeah. Supper is 5 o'clock rather than having the same time for the whole world. Like, could you imagine if everywhere right now it was 9 o'clock, but some people woke up at, at 1 basically because like the that's their morning the number didn't mean the number anything. didn't mean anything yeah. 
but that would be I don't know, that would be complicated <laughs> we're going down but it's a complicated a it's a complicated <laughs> system to this sounds like it. something for the Joe Rogan show here <laughs> yeah. yeah well you even look you look at Dave and at the shop it's yeah. 12 noon he doesn't have to look at a clock he doesn't have to yeah. look at the wall I guess it's on the radio but yeah he just you know I'll even be looking at my phone or my watch and it'll go from 11:59 to 12:00. yeah and Dave will just pop <laughs> out of his up. chair and he'll go yeah. to get his lunch bag <laughs> And he's like got his own internal clock about it, but he's been doing it for fifty years, yeah. right? Yeah, I find he's very he's very primal. Like I remember at the old shop, every time a vehicle had come up, he's like an elk. You squeeze a hoochie mama, he'd come out and have a little peek. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like an elk because you hear a vehicle or someone talking, and he he'd wander out there and see what's going on. Or yeah, like you said, as soon as like twelve o'clock rolls around, you don't have the radio or on any, or anything, and he just gets up and he knows it's yeah. twelve o'clock. But that's that's awesome. That's how my how Rhett, my year and a half old is yeah. every morning at seven a.m. You hear him giggling and talking in his bed because he just has that, you know, well, primal instinct. To where that he knows point first of the thing. time change today. Oh, yeah. That's throwing to, him off big time. Today, but. I'm, you know, sitting at the shop and we had a few customers in or whatever. It's one o'clock and Dave goes, oh, shit, it's one o'clock already. Yeah, because, <laughs> he goes and has lunch. Because it's not the <laughs> time change. Lunch, right? But it was one zero zero. It wasn't 12.59. But it's basically 12, it's because 12 that's what it was a, yeah. a week ago, A week right? ago, it's noon. Yeah. yeah. Strange. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was listening on the radio, there are some guys, they said, you know, they live on a farm, they have kids, and their dogs are outside dogs, and every morning, those dogs would go to the bus stop at 8 a.m., because they know the kids are going to be there. But now with the time change, those dogs are waiting out there an extra hour, oh, basically. Right? <laughs> My dog's the same way. He's, you know, he wakes us up to have breakfast and yeah. he so tells it, us when it's dinner time and he's an hour off now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it takes him. He's good because he's like, he's well-mannered, but yeah, he, he doesn't understand yeah. what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody can change that and get us just one time, do it. Yeah. We're great. solving the problems of the world at... Uh, at 9.30 at night or 10.30. Oh, that, see, this clock's yeah. wrong, oh, too. Yeah, it's just 10.52. It's 9.50. I know that I have... We have four clocks in our kitchen, and yesterday, three of them were at different time. And yeah. that doesn't even make sense, because one would have had to be <laughs> wrong the first time. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? Those clocks in the stove are the hardest to freaking change. Or I don't know truck. what it is, but my, oh, my truck's easy. Well, my truck's easy now. Yeah. Um, my old old truck, my 2005, was just a nightmare. Yeah. You had to like turn the key, undo the seatbelt, turn the volume <laughs> up, put it in neutral, and well, that's how my my that's how my quad was. And that's <laughs> last time quad, we were messing yeah. around with the quad. I'm like, do you know how to change this thing? And we figured it out, but it was like buttons. a half hour back forever. Yeah. And like I'm looking at this phone now, it's saying 10:52, and I don't even know where to start with that but but now like i don't trust it like i got this new fancy watch i got <laughs> Did last that year. change automatically changed automatically no way but your phone and your phone changes automatically oh, yeah, yeah. too so An analog watch changed no it's not analog. no no it's that a thing's Garmin. it's a fancy oh that's Garmin. a digital yeah. screen okay but i wasn't sure because it yeah. you know it does have internet and shit on it, it has internet i have no idea well oh, cool. it, it connects <laughs> it connects it's connected to garmin right like it shows the sunset and sunrise every day but now, so it gets some sort of information. Yeah. Whether it's just an automated calendar or if it actually sends out, I don't know. But it does connect to my phone, so that could be... And so, and so we've, we've talked about like the sunset and sunrise in that Garmin. That's different, though. Like, Is it 
quite it's accurate. accurate. I think that day it was just like the location wasn't on okay. properly, like because the GPS. If I I can go and mark waypoints and stuff on this, and sometimes I the GPS it will like stick into your last. It location doesn't like calibrate because I never had it turned on. So if you turn that on and it says uh, sunrise, will it be pretty much? Oh, it's pretty much like right what right now it says seven fifty one. But sun, will it say sunrise. the same thing as pretty close I- within two or three minutes? Yeah. So I yeah. guess there's no real. Well, and I've talked about that too, like. Like what is the real? Like it. you, if you look at the hunting regs book, the nearest to us is Peace River. From what I've seen, I could be wrong, but I'm sure Peace River is the nearest city in that book because it's got a list of 12 cities. And so you go by the nearest Peace River, like they're they're 20 minutes well, from we, us. We half were talking, hour from yeah, us. we were talking about that the other day because so I had you, just come back from High Prairie, which is an hour and 20 minutes away. Yeah, or, uh, probably an hour and a half from where I was hunting, and I came to the shop the next morning. And you're like, sunrise is at this time. And I was like, no, no, it was at this time. Yeah. And you're like, no, man, it was 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes earlier. And I'm yeah. like, no, it wasn't. And then I looked and I'm like, everything's still set for yeah. an hour west and it's 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the book only gives you a chart. Yeah. That, well, and that's what I said. Like I looked at it the other day and there's 12 cities on there. So you got to figure out where you are closest to those cities, basically. And, and then it gives you a chart. Which not is just a range. Every day. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just a, a range. range, right? So um, so I was thinking, too, I heard that gunshot go off six minutes or eight minutes before legal light. They might have been going off of legal light on their on that book, that book for yeah. the nearest for, city. When they were down And south. it might have been, well, or, who knows, right? Or well, the, down, down in Edmonton, legal light is quite Exactly, quite and Edmonton might, Edmonton's closer to us than Peace River, is it not? Well, Pretty almost close. half distance. So. So what what do you do, right? Yeah. And you know, you go on your weather app and it says uh sundown sunrise time too. Yeah. But it's probably not the same. Exactly. Well, they're all they're all a little bit different. So right? if it came to splitting hairs, you know I don't think you could say one time is this is the time. The minute. Yeah, exactly. You just gotta hope the officer you're dealing with has a bit of common For sure. Sense well, there, and I, I, I talked to Jeremy well, about the yourself. guy the guys who were shooting that morning and um and yeah, you know that's that's the thing, right? They could be using different time or whatever, but it, you know it's pretty but it tough says to track in, you know like there's, yeah, a, there's a line in the regulation that says like it is up to the hunter's discretion. And honestly, to, it to, really is like it, we should all know when yeah. when you should and shouldn't yeah. be shooting. So there, I but. and so I use the Geopack app, and it's it's actually the exact same as iHunter is. So wherever they get their their sunrise yeah. and sunsets and sunrise yeah, times from is the exact too, same. So. Um, so I go right by the minute, right? So it was seven sixteen that morning. Seven sixteen came and and I was ready. Yep. But uh, yeah, so and that's what I go by too. Like I'll check the digital right down to the minute, and then I'll just go. And usually it's dark five minutes before that anyway. Like well, I I don't really like I don't want to. I'm not for unless I it's down to crunch time. I'm not for shooting an animal right at dark we're all filming too and That's you aren't gonna have it. good you camera can't. light at first like no, and uh, as, at that last. first and it's not fun to trail an animal in the dark yeah no. like if you got 20 minutes you at least get that much of a head start where if you're shooting something right at dark you give it 10 minutes to die then you have to go and try and find whatever like in the pitch black already right? well you know what? i almost always pack up and climb down or get out from wherever i am 10 minutes before hunting stop time just because i'm i've lost camera light pretty much it's, by yeah, that time too. as soon as i can't see on the screen of my camera I if i'm in the bush it's already going to be quite dark if i'm in a cut block that's open yeah. well i might see a bucket 90 yards but i won't get him on my camera it'll be extremely yeah. grainy and you know what at that point last light 
if I do shoot him, it's going to be a bitch to get him out. And you know what? The footage isn't going to be that great. So I usually yeah, pack her out tough. anyways. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm whitetail hunting this weekend and I can't wait. I'm still torn on what I'm going to do. You know, maybe set up a stand times wait a bit of an issue. So yeah, see what the wind does. I might sit in a stand. I might hit, sit some cut blocks. You're hunting moose. Hunt moose. You're, what are you doing on Sunday? Or you're hunting moose Saturday and Sunday going, and Friday. I'm going across the province, yeah, all month. Hopefully I get one so down. So Friday, so Saturday, up north, so Sunday around here? Friday and Saturday I'm going for myself. I'm just going to you know, sleep in the back of the truck and yeah. just just hunt, um, make the best of the time. And then Sunday my brother has the day off work, so I'm going to fly back here. Uh, and then we got to drive an hour north or so and, and hunt just north of town. Sunday and then Monday I'm going to be back here in town and then Tuesday Wednesday my brother's got time off again so we're going to go back up north and hunt nice you hunting this weekend Charlie absolutely nice yeah sit yeah. in that stand yeah I got one job. or two spots there that I got lots of does coming through so right it'll be one of those two spots one's kind of for a, a northern wind and yeah. the other one's for a western wind so perfect and you're are you archery hunting oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. You using that APA yeah, yeah, nice. the, yeah, the original MX1. And Broadheads, are you using the PX2 or the Widowmaker? Well, I've been using both, but I like Widowmakers for deer. Okay. I use the PX2s for bear, but yeah. I like Widowmakers. Widowmakers do, you, nice. do you have the old Widowmakers or the new yeah, ones? the old ones. The, the yeah. vented, vented ones. ones yeah. yeah, nice. They're not quite as solid as the solid ones, but I mean, I'm shooting just a whitetail. They're broad, performing right? just so fine, though. And seems, honestly, that's yeah. what I shot my bear with. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't even go out of frame on that camera. Yeah, so nice. Yeah. I mean, they're they're deadly. If you just, I mean, any one of them is if you put a good shot on. Well, it, yeah, that's but I mean, sure. I, I shot my, both my bears with PX2s, and neither one of them went ten yards. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I've been using that PX2 for three years now, and yeah, the moose, the the bears, and yeah, for sure. No, they're good broadheads. Yeah, I got my deer last year with the PX2, but this year it's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this year is gonna be. I don't know. I got awesome. big hopes for this weekend. Actually, I don't Me know. Too, There's man. been a I'm lot pumped. of things. Can't wait. Uh, well, the weather's finally fizzling out and starting yes. to figure out what it's supposed to be. You know, we're we're getting a big dump of snow right That's now. I think good. everybody and everywhere in the northern province is getting snowed on right now. So well, I feel like I got a little bit of hunting karma coming my way. I hope <laughs> I, I don't want to jinx it or anything by talking about it. But I had that moose stuck in the fence and got it out. And yeah, had a couple opportunities to shoot a moose that was yeah, just we, outside my zone and didn't. And you should tell that calf story real quick. I forgot about that. That's, yeah, that's yeah do, do you want to get into that today? Yeah, yeah, or? do it, yeah. Okay, so... You, but I got to ask, did you find the video for it? I didn't find the video yet, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I can't imagine I would have ever deleted it. I know yeah. I was sitting there watching it with my dad, and I know I can't see You got it somewhere. Delete. You'll yeah. find it. So that was when he had, like, just caught here? No, it was, like, two days before he got here. Oh, he wasn't even here yet? Yeah, okay. so basically, I was out scouting and getting cameras ready. And basically just setting chairs up at different spots so he could set up, setting blinds up, making sure I got lanyards at all my tree stands for two people. Um, that kind of stuff. Just getting ready. I was just pumped. I just, you know, he was coming, so I was just out there out getting ready. So um, I decided, okay, I'm going to go see if I can find some fresh moose sign because he's going to be here in a couple of days and we're going to hunt next weekend. So I'd like to know roughly where you know, I'm going to be going. So I guess a long story short is uh, morning comes and I get geared up and I'm quadding in, in the darkness to the spot where I got a, a kind of a lick or a wallow kind of area, a swampy area, lots of fresh moose sign. And, uh, I like to park a little ways away, probably a half a kilometer to a kilometer away. 
And I started walking up a fence line in the dark and thinking nothing of it, just packing my gear and kind of taking my time. And then all of a sudden I just saw this black object on the ground laying underneath the fence and it looked dead at first. So I was kind of not in a huge panic. Um, and then I walked up to it and I could see that it was a small moose and, and as I got closer, I must've stepped on a stick or something and it heard it because I could see its ear twitch backwards. Oh, okay. And I knew it was alive because it started really freaking out. And actually in the video, you could see it was struggling pretty badly. Um, anyway, about 10, 15 minutes came and went and I figured out how to get, I had an antler that I was using to rake the trees, uh, a moose antler. And then I used the barrel of my gun and I used it to pry the fence open because it was twisted around his leg. So I had to untwist it with a bit of torque. So I used those two things and then I grabbed a stick and wedged it in there and then I got my foot in there and yeah, it was a bit of struggling, but we got his leg out and he, he didn't go anywhere for a while, but uh, I stayed with him for a couple hours and finally got him up onto his feet and he did take off and then I came back to hunt actually that night because I was onto a bull that morning and uh I came back that night thinking, okay, there's a fresh bull track in here. I'm going to try and go get him. Right. I never had a chance to hunt him. So went back, no luck. Didn't see a bull, no moose, nothing, not a sound, nothing, just a terrible sit. But when I came back out to that fence line and started walking down to where I quad, I could see this moose just standing out in the open, like almost like a zombie, like hardly moving. But when it did move, it would like stumble a couple steps and then catch itself. So I knew pretty quickly it was him. And as soon as he saw me, he beelined for me. It was like, I can remember taking the video of me walking down this cut line in the, in the pitch darkness, videotaping myself. Like I have to videotape this, you guys, cause no one's going to believe it when I tell the story. Yeah. And then I pan over and this moose literally walks right up to me and lets me start patting it on the nose. Wow. So I'm standing there petting this moose that I had seen Holy run shit. off. No, this is no bullshit. This <laughs> yep. is true story. And, so I'm patting this thing on the nose and I'm like videotaping. I'm like, hey, little buddy, how are you doing? And, and this is where it gets a little sketchy because I was going to do something that, well, frankly, wasn't legal, but uh, I thought was the right thing to do, which ultimately is what I'm going to do. Um, and it just couldn't really get its energy back. It was It couldn't stand up. It was having a hard time. So I left it. I couldn't, I, I kept trying to like smack it on its butt and trying to get it to take off. Right. And he just wouldn't, he was leaning up against a pile of brush that was pushed up with a cat. And, uh, so I was pretty upset. So it had been there for a few days then. More well, than I don't think a few days, there was three big piles of crap there. I'm guessing probably overnight. Okay. Right, like I'm, pro I'm thinking six, eight hours yeah. maybe, because like there was a wound, but it wasn't that bad. No coyotes or crows or anything like that were in the area, and it was making noise to draw them in. Um, but yeah, so I left it, and I called the people I was hunting with. I called the landowner, and I got him and his wife on on speed dial, and I called his or on speakerphone, sorry, and I called his son. And got him to come down to the property because his wife is treaty. So if we did have to put it down, at least yeah. there would be someone there to claim it, right? Yeah, so sure. it wasn't like totally the sketchy thing no, we're doing no, no. here, they right? They could keep that moose, yeah. Yeah, sure. we didn't want it to go to waste, yeah, right? So he came down, brought his wife. 
I went back down, talked to my buddy Mark, who had helped me come get this thing out of the fence after, well, not out of the fence, but helped me get it back up on its feet. So there was one, two, three, four, five, and then the two of them on the phone. So there's six, eight of us having a conversation. And between the group of us, we decided, you know, this thing's probably not going to make it. Someone would like to have the meat. And it's better to see it go to a family than to the coyotes, right? For sure, yeah. So Well, you uh, got a lot of wolves in that property, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely, right? And, I mean, I know the other landowners on the other side are huge animal lovers, and they're not going to want to see that thing go off and struggle and get picked apart by wolves, yeah. right? So knowing that it wasn't the right thing to or sorry, that it wasn't really the legal thing to do. Well, it's legal if, if, the, if the native does it. Yeah, if she does it, but she yeah. wasn't coming up there. She's a little old lady, right? So it was on me to do it and then he was going to come drag it down for her right so it wasn't legal right and i I had that was the the tug of war i was having right like it felt like the right thing to do to put this thing down because it looked like it was suffering but you're going up there knowing you're doing something that could get you in a lot of shit right so i'm having this little battle with myself up there and i get up to it and kind of have a moment and I sw- like I swear to God, man, I drew my bow from here to the camera away, like a foot, two feet from this thing. It was still leaning up against the brush pile. And I went up and I pulled my bow and it just turned its head at the last second. And it just went, man, like it just looked right in my eyes, man. I swear to God, this thing looked in my eyes and just went the most terrified sound i've ever heard come out of an animal Mm -hmm. it damn near dropped me to my knees yeah it was just like please dude let me live like i'm terrified right now i have no like and i just stopped and i walked up to it and i patted on the nose again and i just kind of like hugged it a little bit and uh and then i remember i smacked it on the ass and he kind of stumbled a bit and then I decided I'd poke it in the ass with my broadhead because I still had it knocked in my bow. So I poked it in the ass, and, man, he took off like a fucking cannon. Down that uh, – well, you're familiar with that property. You yeah, know how yeah. they had all the brush piles piled up yeah. on the edges like that? He took off all the way down one about 50 yards and then into the bush. So I took off running behind him to see if I could you – know, I wanted to know where he was going. And by the time I got to the trail, he was on. He was already 100 yards down the trail. Like, mm-hmm. So he was moving. So I'm, I'm pumped, right? Yeah. Like, I'm fist pumping. I'm, yeah, right on, you know, like, pumped. Get back to the camp. Tell everyone about it. We're all celebrating, having in a few drinks. I'm showing everyone all the videos. They're like, what in the hell? <laughs> yeah. Like, me just scratching know, this I moose's some nose, of those videos. Right? Yeah. So everything, we're all pumped. Yeah, we're going to go hunting tomorrow, man. This day, we didn't get much hunting done, so tomorrow we're going to get a moose. It's it's going to happen. The, the moose gods are with us, man. Yeah. yeah. So I go back up there that morning, and I say, you know what? I'm just going to go check on him. And I walk down that trail, man, and right where I last saw him, he just laid down underneath a tree again. And he laid there all night, and he was laying there looking dead again. So this time I went over and I stepped on something again, and you could see his ear move. So I said, no, he's alive. So I turned around, and instead of going hunting, I went and got the trailer. I ripped all the bedding off my bed and uh, got all my pillows and stuff and brought the tub trailer up there, and I got Mark and his dad to come with me, and we <laughs> we, we put the tub trailer on like on its side and then rolled the moose up into the tub trailer and wrapped it in blankets, and then I laid in the back in the tub trailer and kind of like, cuddled it on the drive back and 
We brought it back to camp, and right as we pulled into camp, he went over a bump, and that thing jumped up again and took off. And when he jumped out of the, like, because I was, like, on him yeah. in this thing. So he kind of shook me off, shook the blanket off him, and jumped out of it and took off. And that was that was the last time we saw him. And then I got photos on him uh, of him on my trail camera, like, two nights later with his mom. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and you could even wow. see his knee was all, like, swollen up a bit, but he was a couple steps behind So mom what and... I'm almost thinking is, is you guys, so you had him in that tub trailer, you moved him on a little bit, and so... He, he might have wandered off from his mom or his mom might have wandered off from him. Absolutely. And then so with him even just hopping out of that trailer where you guys were, you might have been a little bit closer. So they found each other, right? Well, and I but. forget who I was talking to. I think it was a fella down at the coffee shop in Canuso who said, uh, if you're worried about predators coming to find it, just take some dirty laundry up there and hang it around. Oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They and won't some, go near the Yeah, clothes. and the coyotes and stuff will stay away because they smell yeah. humans. So yeah. I had a bunch of stuff down at camp, like socks and stuff. Yeah. Was, so was that, was that a bull or a cow? It cow. was a little bull. I, I thought oh, it was yeah. a female the first little bit. So then, in, in three years, you're going to do one grunt and there's going to be a bull come up. Let's scratch his nose again. Yeah, I called him Gerald. That's Gerald's way now. Jerry the yeah. so have, you, have you seen him at all? Any more trail camera not photos? Not in person, or? but I no. did get the trail camera pick. And, uh, well, if he's back with his mom, he's got as good a shot as any. Right? Honestly, I, the last day of our moose hunt, we saw a cow with two calves. And I don't know if that's him and there was another calf and maybe he, they joined up and I never noticed him in the first trail camera picture or what, but yeah, they'll do that. If, if like, if a cow gets killed and that calf's by itself, it'll go it'll orphan them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For well, sure. that's quite possible because I, I just, I don't know. I saw Like I said, I got the trail camera photo a couple nights later, damn near in the same tree. Right. And uh, he was with mom then. And then a couple days later I saw another cow with calves and, that's why I didn't see any coyotes or crows anywhere. And I was in that area for two weeks straight and I never saw crows sitting in a tree or ravens or anything. So, well, if you're going to have good wow. moose karma, that's probably where it, well, my tag, I'm eating tag soup on moose this year. So that didn't work out for good moose yeah. karma, well, but there's always an extra. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out for my deer. That's, I've, I've heard of, uh, of people taking care of moose calves more than once. Okay. And then being like definitely friendly. Yeah. When they're oh, I like, like that, right? I could not believe that night when I came back out from hunting. We were four hundred yards away from each other when we saw each other. Yeah, like a half of a quarter from each other, and it was like our eyes met, and it was love at first sight, man. Wow. And he saw me, and it just came running right like a little you. dumb, uncoordinated wow. trot. Eh? like just confident you were so going to hurt him. Like, Mom, it probably you. lost its mother. Is what probably happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially if it was stuck in the fence. Stuck right? in the fence. The cow might have just. The cow might have wandered off. There might have been coyotes or something around that chased her off. Well, not you know, to mention, I was there that morning for yeah, six hours yeah, with it. Yeah. Well, and right? the cow, the cow could have been a hundred yards watching. When me. I first got yeah. there, I felt like I was being watched for sure, yeah. for yeah. sure. That you know that feeling mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, interesting. But, oh, it was a uh, whatever. It was. It was and probably you know one of the and coolest things If you got to ever. that point where you had put that thing down, you just you got to call fish and wildlife and and let let them know, tell them that story, right? Yeah. And um, you know, they probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah. Def- you know what that's like, though, in the heat of the moment, you know. For sure, that thing yeah. runs off in fifteen seconds, and now you're wondering, yeah, you're wondering shoot, yeah. should I have just? Oh put yeah, that no. Thing if it if it ran off, 
you almost got to think, you know what? He ran off and that's, and that like it hopped out of your trailer at the end and it ran off. Yeah. And, um, Oh, like we were doing everything we could, man. We cut our, my buddy's idea, my buddy, Mark, it was his idea. He said, well, let's cover that wound up. So what do we do? We're out in the bush. Shit. He pulls his boot off, pulls his sock off, snips the end off it with his knife and slid it up like a sleeve a basketball player would wear. Covered that wound right up, man. Like nothing. Yeah, man. Moose got a. They got a tough chance. Moose, like they, they got a tough life. We this spring we came up on a cow moose, and her whole back leg was torn, and the meat she about the size of a football in her back leg, and the meat was dangling out of her leg, and she was standing on the edge of a pond, and I just sat there and filmed her. And, you know, I could have probably walked right up to her. I, I got to about 30 yards and I just kept my distance and filmed. Yeah, that... We left, we came back. She was still there like two hours later in the same spot, just standing there. We came back the next day. Sure enough, there's wolf tracks all over the fucking yeah. road. Well, yeah. that's why she was in the water, right? She was in the water. Yeah. That's right. That's why. So yeah. She can stay away from the that's wolves. That's their advantage. If the wolves come out into the water, at least they can We didn't see her, right? but we seen the wolf tracks the next yeah. day all over the place, right? Have you guys seen that uh, trail camera video of that deer that got run over by a combine? That is that what no it backstrap? was? Yeah. That buck with the backstrap showing? Yeah. <laughs> is that what it was, a combine? What I heard was it was in a cornfield, bedded in a cornfield. Got mulched. So I seen combine. another guy wow. post a photo similar, and the back was torn right <laughs> off the deer. And one guy thought it might have been like certain fencing or something oh this was too sure i know i didn't see that and its shoulder was yeah yeah this was was a real perfect sharp edge that did something real quick under hydraulic pressure or something yeah that's crazy no that lucky lucky deer the whole blade walk by i'm sure that deer didn't make it far but no and you gotta think infection would Set in, right? Infection oh, yeah. and the scent a, that would give a off raven any picking wolf at your backstrap. Oh yeah. yeah, just like sitting on your back, picking into your lungs. Can you imagine the oh. pain? Oh, but that's just a testament to how tough they are. That thing got up and ran away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine you getting run over by a combine For and still sure. having the, you know, yeah. the gumption well, to get up guys and run away too? When you arrow an animal, and you think you got a good shot, and the next year you see that same deer. Well, how many guys, you know, you see these right, on same, Facebook, same moose guys, and elk cu- guys are cutting up elk or moose yeah, and they find broadheads. Broad oh, my, shit. my, my bull, I found a, a bullet in his shoulder and, um, and actually the guy, uh, we think actually the guy who helped me get it out, he claims he shot at this bull in <laughs> September and he's like, show me the bull. And I showed him, he said, man, like that's the bull I shot at. Yeah. And, um, and sure enough, just tucked right under his shoulder. Right. And, um, yeah, no, they're, they're tough. And it's like the second bull that I released an arrow at, like, we're sure it hit where we don't know. We didn't see blood, didn't find an arrow. We looked for the one evening, the next day we went back for six, seven hours, looked not a drop of blood, no arrow, no nothing. Right. What do you do, man? What do you do? Right. But you know, someone might find that bull next year and kill it and find a broadhead or find something in it just cause they're tough freaking out. You know what? As long as you kind of exhaust yourself have to or man. your, your well, resources if you do everything you can for it then then you've done your job as a yeah. as a hunter right like there, there's gonna be misses yeah it sucks it's the worst feeling ever going yeah. home after a miss knowing you left something out there in pain or whatever but, but well when we left that night i left that night feeling all right like i actually i was pumped i was hyped right up i'm like man like what actually happened is my quad battery died. I was hanging tree stands and I'm like 5k from the road. And so I phoned Eric. I'm like, Hey man, my quad battery died. Want to come give me a boost so I can get out of here. So we came and we're like, man, we have 45 minutes of hunting light. Let's go for a little walk. We just went for a walk. 
got to a nice spot. He said, we should just sit here and do a few grunts. And sure enough, this bull just comes right in. Perfect, right? Like 20 yards. I thought he was at 30. So I think I hit a little high. And um, and yeah, like it, it felt good. But we watched the video. Couldn't really see where the arrow went. Didn't find any blood. We went the next day like till six, seven hours looking, not a drop of blood. Covered a ton of ground. Looked for an arrow. Just nothing, nothing. right? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Um, but uh, and I always say like rifle hunters, man, if you're hunting a moose or an elk, you got to keep shooting that thing till it's down. Oh yeah. You know, like I shot my elk. I shot him. He dropped. I'm like, great. I started walking up to him. He got up and went four or five hundred yards. And um, that's the thing, man. Like if they get back up, you got to shoot that thing again until he drops because you might risk losing that animal in a swamp or somewhere you might never find it. He's going to die if you put two well, or three gonna, bullets in gonna, him. Everything they got left is going into getting away. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, you know, it's 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 great to kill something with one shot, but you know what? Don't let your ego get the best of you. If no. you got to put two or three in that fucking thing, do it, man. Uh, my, I, like, if you're hunting with a rifle... You- if you have the opportunity to shoot until yeah. it's down, do it. I mean, for the animal's sake. Yeah. Absolutely. And and then for your sake too, because you know, you're going to have a lot better chance recovering that thing. If it only went 70 yards opposed to 700 yards. Right. Well, and those mean, elk will go a long way. And yeah, so will moose and, and especially there. deer too. Yeah. You got a tree stand or a truck to wherever you're, yeah. you're hunting at. So, I mean, obviously it's accessible by a quad or whatever. Right. Yeah. So you shoot at 50 yards from there. It's not that bad. No, it gets running off like my dad's buck the other night, seven, eight hundred, seven, eight hundred meters, you know, meters man. Like, That's crazy. Oh. Yeah, well, and then you throw you know another thousand pounds onto those animals. Yeah, and you're having lots of fun. Oh there. yeah, like a deer is a cakewalk compared to getting an elk yeah. out. Of, yeah, not even the same. Yeah, yeah, but that's why it's important to have uh, experiences like Braden's bear. Yes, where you know you realize that just because you didn't see blood in the first five minutes or even the first two hours. And just because you think it was a perfect shot and you knew where it went, yeah. <laughs> doesn't well, and, mean that's, that's where it went. You know, uh, that's a, assuming something, whether it's just direction of travel, can totally throw you off, right? And yeah. uh, well, how many times have you seen an animal do a loop after oh, it's yeah. been hit? Oh, absolutely, a circle almost yeah. every time, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's what Amy's deer did. It, she shot at two hundred yards, and i was watching in the binos and i couldn't really tell it hopped up it went in the bush and actually just looped right around to where we were it just yeah. worked out well perfect. that's same with katie's buck it just sort of went into the trees it got onto like a main trail because it was just instinctual yeah right? it yeah. gets onto escape, the main trail escape. it's running but then it starts to lose all its blood and like i said that deer was only running for probably 45 seconds yeah and then he got to a point where he just started like turning back almost to like where he would be comfortable just looking for a place to mm-hmm. hide. Just like he, he's just not really thinking, just going on instincts. He's booking her down the heaviest game trail there is in the country. And then he gets to a nice, real nice open spot. And you see he stopped for a second, does a little twirl because he's getting dizzy and mm-hmm. falls over. And that's yeah. it. Well, hopefully we can experience that this weekend, eh? Yeah, no doubt. Okay, let's wrap her up, guys. That was a hell of a podcast. Two hours and 13 minutes. Pretty damn good. Well, best of luck to you guys. Yeah, same to you, Hopefully uh, one of us can have, uh, or a few of us can have uh, some exciting stories. Yeah, hopefully we're swapping some hamburger here in the next few few weeks. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. We appreciate it big time. And uh, yeah, we enjoy doing these podcasts. We will have another one coming at you very soon. Best of luck.